Hi, everybody. Welcome to Ask the Amigos for December 2020. This is the monthly show where we ask, we answer questions put to us by our lovely, lovely Discord community in the Ask the Amigos channel over at the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server. Our first question comes to us from Simulant, fresh off the high of his new Amiga Attic magazine print run being sent out to all yep. the lovely subscribers. He says... Up. And Aaron, I know that this is, uh, this is, you are the man when it comes to international affairs. That's true. Do, do we actually ever have to worry about China or North Korea? Or is a lot of the political mud that is slung mainly propaganda? What do you think, Aaron? Uh, we do have to worry about China, for sure. Uh, and the reason, well, there's a multiple reasons. Listen, China wants to win. So do we. That's, that's so, you know, there you go. I think everyone has to worry about everyone to a certain degree. Uh, and I could sit here and talk about China's various uh, uh, human and not and business and political crimes. But listen, everybody's got their hands dirty. I'm not going to get into it. But I do think we have to worry about them. North Korea, you know, they North Korea is one of these situations where I really do feel for the the, the, the man on the street there. Who really has no say in the matter, and just are just ha are having a bad go of it. Um, the only thing that I think is going to change North Korea is if China takes an active interest in doing something to North Korea, or if someone dies or is assassinated or whatnot, and someone comes into power that wants to drag that country forward. Uh, but I don't necessarily think they're a big threat, uh, but not to us and to their immediate neighbors. They they could be. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I agree. Uh, we have every reason in the world to be uh, cautious of China. I mean, but we we were the ones that put ourselves in this situation. You know, we're the ones that went over there and we taught them how to manufacture everything, including weapons. We taught them, you know, how to basically run a capitalist society. And what they've done is they've taken the ball and they've ran with it. And now... You know, they're going to use it to further their own ends, which are much different than the ends of, you know, sort of the uh, the liberal West, as it were. Um, I think that uh, you see this reflected in the way that, you know, we're moving manufacturing out of China as fast as we can. Um, and uh, it's a shame, in my opinion, that we're not doing more to address just the total, you know, trouncing of democracy that's going on in Hong Kong right now. Um, you know, we're, we're basically doing nothing and we're watching all the people that are pro-democracy be hauled off to the mainland and never be seen again. So um, as far as North Korea goes, again, I agree with you. Um, I, I don't think that they're the threat that China is, but I do fear for the people, uh, you know, any sudden change in leadership, even if it's a change for the better, is going to lead to a, a period of mass chaos and confusion because you have a population that's been totally brainwashed in a way, you know, if, if you look at, uh, you know, after the fall of the Berlin Wall and you had the reconciliation of East and West Germany, you know, East Germans had some idea of what the West was like, uh, you know, of, of what, you know, the, the outside of East Germany. But in North Korea, a lot of people I really don't think do. And um, and I, I feel bad for the those people. And plus, you know, the, the government of South Korea, who's going to have to end up spending tons and tons and tons of money to sort of rehabilitate this country. Uh, so, um, you know, I do hope for regime change in North Korea, but I hope that it's accomplished without a whole lot of crazy. 
you know, the, the sad thing is, you've got a couple countries here that are, are the uh, are so rich culturally, uh, their people so industrious, their country, in China's case, is, you know, obviously so vast and, and varied, a beautiful place. Uh, and I hope someday that we can put all this baloney behind us and we can open everything up and get on with things, but you know we got to play it. We got to play this thing till to the end, and hopefully it doesn't end poorly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lobsterminator asks, "Did you used to or currently smoke cigarettes?" I noticed Brent puffing on a vape in the Halloween episode, and Lob says, "I used to smoke, then I was able to quit thanks to e-cigarettes." Smoking is a lot rarer with young people. <clears throat> I never smoked uh, cigarettes. I do like a cigar. There was a time where I smoked a, a lot of of smaller cigars, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when I lived up on the mountain. But uh, I wouldn't call myself. I mean, I haven't smoked anything for, you know, probably since New Year's. Maybe I probably had a couple. Uh, so I'm not an addicted smoker. E-cigarettes. I've also had some back in the day. I don't. It's something else. I just don't. I don't want to set a bad example for the boy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying here. I mean, me and you both will. We're known to puff a, a, a cigar now sure. and again. Not in your house. That got yeah. nixed. That got nixed. You should tell that story. But uh, <laughs> uh, I don't. I've never been a, a, a chronic smoker. Um, I uh, I've never. I think I've tried cigarettes one time in my life, and it was in college, um, and it was in a party, and I was inebriated, and somebody's like, "Here, here's a cigarette." And I was like, "Okay," and then I was like, "Man, this really is not my bag." Um, but I I did. I was a uh, pretty. I wouldn't call myself a heavy poke, uh, pike pipe smoker, but uh, I did smoke a pipe um, pretty regularly. Uh, around the mid 2000s, I sort of got into it. Different types of tobacco. I had three or four different types of pipes. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because I don't know that I ever really enjoyed it. Because as anybody that's ever smoked a pipe will tell you, especially when you're first starting out, 95% of your time smoking the pipe is just trying to get the darn thing lit. Yeah. Um, it's a and, con- and, uh, that's why you have to find a really solid pipe and a good tobacco. I, I also did some pipe smoking up on the mountain and I've had some real fancy Russian wooden made these awesome looking pipes and they sucked. Mm-hmm. I couldn't keep them lit. Yeah. And I've heard people say, Oh, it's an art form. I know it's not. I, I know how to light freaking tobacco. It's just that they don't stay lit. And mm-hmm. so you're right. That is a part of the issue is just trying to keep something lit. And it depends on the pipe. It depends on what type of tobacco you're smoking. Right. And it's such I a lo- hassle. You know, I'm just like, eh, you know, I love the idea of smoking a pipe. Like when you think about Sherlock Holmes, you know, pondering something, you know, yeah. smoke. That's an awesome image. I used to smoke while watching those Sherlock Holmes uh, uh, episodes. I would always have one in, just yeah. like Sherlock. It was always that was part of my relaxation. It's funny you should mention that. Right, right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I don't. I still have my pipe collection. I actually have uh, some of my uh, great grandfather's old pipes too. Um, but I, I very rarely indulge anymore. Uh, it's funny the story that Aaron's talking about. We went to, you were with us, weren't you? When we went to the cigar bar. Mm-mm. Okay, so it was. I me, never got to go to that. It was me and it was uh, Chad, Hat Chad, and Brent. Okay, it's the rare trifecta. We rarely do things in with just us three without other people being there. But those were the three. And we went to this cigar bar. It's called Almost Havana, which is a play on the West Virginia, you know, Almost Heaven. Good name. It's over, 
it's over there by the Taste of Asia. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, we went and we spent probably a couple hours over there. You know, we smoked a bunch of cigars. I also was drinking Ale 8. They had some Ale 8 over there. Really? And, yeah. And That's so I was surprising. Drinking, yeah, I was drinking some Ale 8. That's and, a Kentucky um, thing. Right, right. And uh, when I came home, Chad and I came home and we went down to the basement. We're just sitting talking. And Eve comes in. And I've never seen what is the thing in The Exorcist where her skull splits in two? What do you call that? A conniption or something? Exorcist. That didn't happen know. in The Exorcist. I don't know. I don't know. The kid, the that, chick's head spun around in The Exorcist. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, the uh, Eep came home, and I've never heard her so upset because she thought because when you spend a lot of time in a cigar bar, you're going to smell like cigars for the next two to three months. Um, and uh, she came home and she thought we were smoking in the house and she was very, very upset. Uh, and then I had to calm her down and tell her, but even then I still, I'm pretty sure I had to burn those clothes. Like you're not getting that smell out of clothes. So, and that's another big reason why I stopped smoking was just because like, I just hated having that smell on me afterwards. Yeah. So. That, I mean, if you go to back in the day, anytime you went to a bar or club, you always came out smelling like that. So yeah, I'm yeah. not surprised. I never got to go there. I don't know that a cigar bar. I think of something like like the uh, uh, Diogenes Club in uh, Sherlock Holmes lore. It was nothing like that. That's what I, I would go to something like that. Going yeah. to a, a strip mall and smoking beside the Asian uh, restaurant. Not I don't not didn't do it for me. Yeah. You made the right choice. Yeah. If there was if there was a like like you said, one of those one of those uh clubs in the like British a gentleman's club that's not the strip yeah. club, yeah. Right. Like the drones club in the Woodhouse novels. Uh that that I'd be down for for sure. Um play some snooker in we there. We don't have any of those anywhere. No. I don't think they exist anywhere anytime anymore. I think they've all they've all gone yeah, away. You're probably right. Um now, let's move on. Thank you, Lob, for that question. Chekote asks if you could only play video games on a single modern console uh, with no jailbreak, homebrew, or emulators, which would it be and why? Uh, Switch. That's easy. Uh, because they've got a robust retro scene. Uh, they've got legal Nintendo-approved store with all kinds of crap in it. Plus, you've got the whole uh, all the stuff that they make for the Switch, plus it's portable. Mm-hmm. And that's funny because I've pl- I could count the number of minutes I've played a-, a Switch on two hands. But, I mean, I know enough about it. Part of it, listening to Pixel Guide in, and I get the full scoop of what's going on on the Switch. That'd be the one I would choose, Boat. Yeah, I'm right there with you for the exact same reasons that you mentioned. Yeah. So, all right. Next up, we've got Lord Soup. He says, is there a failed machine you'd like to resurrect for a second run, like the Jag or the 3DO or the CPC Plus? With that resurrection comes a couple of dozen new releases and some quality of life tweaks. What do you think, Aaron? None of those. <laughs> um, I don't know. The Jag is tempting on the basis that it was never... Only Homebrew has fully tapped the Jag's potential. Uh, you know, because of the way... The laziness of the way things were done on it. So the Jag is... If I could resurrect it, I would probably pick the Vectrix, to be honest with you. Mm, that's a great uh, choice. It's a uh, It's got a thriving homebrew uh, scene that has taken the original hardware and made it sing. So you know that the, the 12 or so new releases are going to be dynamite. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's unique. Again, we've talked about the fact that it's got its own built-in monitor. It's got vectors. Great sound. Good Good controllers. A multiplayer, so I'd probably go with some sort of I'd go with the Vectrix, and I never thought the Vectrix got a good shake 
Uh, it wasn't in wide enough release, I don't think, and it was uh, it was it was released at the bad time. So mm-hmm. that's that's what that's what it just off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, I'd go for the Atari XEGS. Really? And I'll tell you why. Yeah, I'll I tell you why. This. So part of Lord Soup's question is, with that resurrection comes a couple of dozen new releases. How many new releases did the XEGS ship with, Aaron? I don't know. No, Zero. none. I was going to say, Zero. I think- All Atari did was repackage some of their stuff that was almost 10 years old and slap it back out there on the market and say, hey, it's new. That's no good. That's crap. Uh, what I'd like to see with the XEGS res- resurrection is, like you said, you know, some of the homebrew stuff that's really showing off the potential of the system. Uh, you know, Atari was just so inept at marketing their 8-bit line of consoles, uh, especially after that sort of initial push. I, really, after the failure of the 1200XL, they sort of gave up. I mean, they still released a bunch of models, but it was it was never the same. And so I'd go with the XEGS. You know, the problem with the XEGS is, though, I mean, they, the Atari 8-bit line has been, I think that's pretty much, that rag has been pretty much wrung out. It's not like there's... I mean, do you think there's a, what else could they squeeze out of this thing? I mean, do you think there's a lot more potential that was never tapped? Oh, I mean, sure. The I mean, legacy. At, I mean, it doesn't do anything that the eight bit line doesn't do, right? Well, all you have to do is look at you know the the modern releases over on Indie Retro News to see you know all the new stuff that's coming out now. It, you know, could you do that with any of the other eight bit releases? Sure, but the XEGS was the last one, you know, and it was cool. It's got an awesome color scheme. It's got a detachable keyboard, so you can use it like a console. Uh, it's got the light gun, you know. It, you know, I, I'm looking at an XCGS here, as you know. And you got, thank you very much. Uh, the, the fact that this thing was released in 1987 is unbelievably ludicrous. It, it is. It really Atari is. was a, co- a company. They couldn't, it was like Brewster's Millions. They couldn't get rid of their money fast enough. <laughs> I mean, they really, it was like a fire sale of cash. It's like, I mean, it's amazing. You know, it, I, I tell you this, though, because I was reading up on the XCGS the other day. Um, and, you know, they manufactured 100,000 units for Christmas that the year it was released. Yeah. And they sold every single one of those 100,000 units. Yeah. So. Sort of like, it's sort I'm, of like Atari CD32 in, in some ways. Well, no, I'm come on. It's it's the the, the XEGS was wildly more successful than the CD32. No, you're missing my point here, though. It was a dumb idea, and it done poorly, and then released without any support, and then it well, died, and the company died. It is sort of interesting because, in a way, you're right, but in a way, I would disagree because the CD32 was. It was like a step forward where you're taking a 1200 and you're you're turning it. You you make it in a very small footprint and you you put it out as a console. What Atari did was they made. I mean, their their Atari 8-bit line. Made, there were no steps forward. It was like 8,000 steps sideways since the launch in '79. If you think about it, the XEGS was a step backwards because it did. It's some of the units didn't include a keyboard. Right. So right. Right. <laughs> So, you know, in in a way, I can see what you're saying, but in a yeah. way, Atari was was worse, even though from a business perspective, I mean, you know, they, every unit they had, I'm sure the markups, you know, they could probably manufacture these things for pennies on the dollar because the technology was so old at that point. We can agree that both companies were idiots. Yes. All right. Yes. There you go. Flack asks, and this is a good question, who should replace Alex Trebek as the host of Jeopardy? The name that jumps into my head 
I don't know how old he is now, but the immediate name that jumps into my head is Ben Stein. Uh, do you know who he is? I do know who Ben Stein is. Uh, I think that he's too old now. He may be, but when I think of sort of a monotone quiz show guy who people consider a genius, that's the guy that pops into my head. It's. I mean, I don't know who they're playing on sticking in that spot, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, 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 I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Uh, that would uh, that is like a surrogate of uh, Alex Trebek. What do you got? Uh, I would go with the guy that plays Sheldon. Yeah, I hate that guy, and I hate that show. So I, that I hate would be that bad. Show too. And I, I don't. I, I'm sort of ambivalent about the man himself. Isn't but, he a comedian though? I yeah. mean, do you want to? Do you want? Is that the flavor you know what, of the show's you know what Ben Stein? Do you know what Ben Stein was? Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. He worked in the Nixon administration. Right. He was a politician. Is that, is that the guy you want on your side? Somebody that somebody that propelled Nixon to you, uh, where he you, ended up? Did you ever watch his show? When Ben Stein's money? Right. I thought he was. I mean, he's not an idiot. It's my. I mean, I, I could. I consider Alex Trebek not stupid, but he's also not funny. I don't think I want like a Richard Dawson type up there. I just mm. want some kind of stoic, non-funny stick figure who can occasionally make a dry comment. Like right. I know what you mean. You know, what he's I'm saying? hard to replace. Here comes Sheldon's goofy-looking butt up there in a suit. Hi, my name's so and so. Welcome to Jim. Not like it. I'm not. I'm not. Not. Not my. I mean, it's your opinion. I, I do I share like your it. hatred of Big Bang Theory. Yeah. It's 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 an awful show. It but, offends uh, me as a TV viewer and a human. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just think I can see Sheldon doing that. Um, okay. Chris Folds asks. Uh, eyebrows, pluck, trim, or let them grow wild. You know, who asked this? This is uh, Folds. Folds, it's funny you should ask that, because I have strong opinions on eyebrows. Very strong. There's nothing I hate more than a sucker, usually a chick, who shaved off their eyebrows, and they put that fake gimmick on their eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, you can even get tattoos of eyebrows to put up mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Anything that involves you shaving your eyebrows... Unless you're recreating Pink Floyd the wall, you don't need to be screwing with your eyebrows in a shaving way. It's okay to trim them or whatever. You don't want to walk around looking like uh, uh, Bert from the Sesame Street, you know, or that chick, uh, uh, you know, that sang, uh, the, what, what was her name? Uh, Sinead O'Connor? No, no, no. I'm talking about the unibrow chick that uh, uh, Selma Andy Hayek Lennox? played. That's right. Uh, you don't want that. So you don't want one single brow. That's no good. Uh, it's okay to trim it, uh, you know, shaving them down into, like, little points and stuff. I don't like any of that stuff. It's just weird looking. You know, it doesn't look natural to me. Uh, you got to be careful when you fool around with your eyebrows, but what do you think? I, I, I'm i stunned that you have such strong opinions about eyebrows. You, if you I, ask I, anyone that knows me, that hang, like, when we go out or go to a club or go to the movies or any place, I can find instantly, like that, the person with the stupidest eyebrows. <laughs> My eyes are drawn to them. Now that is you know? a marketable skill. When I'm working at the when I'm working at the lab and somebody comes in, like someone's visiting or whatever, it's just like it's like a beacon of stupidity. When you've got weird eyebrows, when you've got those little pencil lines, no. What were you thinking? You know, sometimes people get them cosmetically screwed with. No, piercing them. No, none of that. It's an eyebrow. It's there to catch debris. It's not there for you to shave. It defeats the whole. That's against Mother Nature, boat. Okay, um, I you know I, I I share none of your um, 
strong feelings. I can only speak for myself that I have one of those um, multi-trimmers. You do the nose hair, you do the ear hair, you switch it out, you can yeah. do the, the brows. I started trimming my eyebrows after I stopped going to the barber because uh -huh. the barber would normally do it for me. Yeah. And uh, just when I see, you know, a couple strands sort of going wild, I just give it the once over with the yeah. old thing. So you're trimming the old eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah, I've never done that. For a maybe bunch you don't of have to. Maybe One, you're gifted follically. Well, maybe. But, I mean, let's face facts. When someone rolls up to me and I'm like, hey, how's it going? They're not going to be like, look at those hideous eyebrows. They're going to be like, look at this freak. And oh, by the way, he's got hideous eyebrows. So fooling with my eyebrows is irrelevant. But I've been lucky. I don't have weird hairs shooting out. Some people now, do. Do you dye your eyebrows at the same time that you dye your beard? I, I think I've dyed my eyebrows like once or twice. And and I stopped doing it. Because when I did that, I looked like the meanest, guy, most evil guy. <laughs> it I is look funny. At, you can go that back and watch ARGs and stuff. And you can see me when I've done it. And I'm like, I'm the Aaron. Ooh, I look like I'm going to kill somebody. Because half of the reason that Bert looks evil is because he has incredibly dark eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah. It's not It's not a good thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I just don't, I don't fool with him. Um, Simulant asks... Have you ever seen or been to a domino rally? No. You mean like with dominoes? This is the, that is the question. I don't know what that is. Well, do you? In the eighties, there was this toy called Domino Rally, and they would sell these sets. And this is like for kids that were too lazy to actually set up real dominoes. You'd have a piece of plastic and the dominoes would be stuck in them with little tabs. And you tilt it up and all the dominoes go whoop. And then you put it down on the ground and you make these wild sets like a train set. And then and you knock all the dominoes down. And in the commercial, in the center of it, you've got this huge rocket that launches all, you know, in, the, in the middle of the living room. And then you scream, Domino Rally! That's Did that really happen, or is that the way you saw it happen in your mind? I, I, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. You mean, so when we get this, there's some kind of gimmick to help you lay dominoes down in a row? Right. We. I can't believe you, you've not heard of this. You've not. I don't. Listen, you know those suckers that put out like a million dominoes, right? Right. And, and, and then they hit the little domino, and they all fall down, and, you're, and you see everybody stands back in awe, right? Look at all this work. If I knew a sucker had some kind of gizmo to help him lay those down, I just turned a channel. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that this is for people that are very serious about their dominoes. Okay, this is for lazy bums. Is who yes. this is for? Be yeah. a man and lay your dominoes down old school. You mm. know, I remember watching those old domino gimmicks, and they'd put index cards in there to keep the dominoes from wrecking the whole structure. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they didn't have some kind of rack that you laid down with a rocket ship going off. And if they did have a rocket, they built it out of dominoes. It flew on dominoes. It was fueled by dominoes. They didn't have a thing, so no, no. I've never been. I'm not going to one. I'm out. Okay, okay. Um, let's see. Figgy asks, and this is a question just for you, Aaron. Mm -hmm. When reviewing games, which aspects do you find yourself most often disagreeing with Boat on? Well, as you know, but I don't review games because that's too. You've got a real hang up about this. Word. I don't. I just I just take a look at them and give you my opinion because to be a reviewer, it it takes. More time and attention than, than we have. That all said, when I have a look at one of these games, now what was the rest of the question? I sorry, I got hung on that part. Like I said, uh, which aspects do you find yourself most often disagreeing the most with me on? 
not like every time there's a certain game you love it. I think it's crap. I don't think it's, I don't think that happens. I will say sometimes when you bury a game, I'm baffled. But often, what's more baffling to me is when you say, "And this is and, and don't tell me this hasn't happened." And you because you could go back and look. We'll look at some game. I'm just gonna randomly pick one. Let's say we looked at uh, Two Crew Dudes or something, right? I don't think it's a Amiga game. But let's say we looked at it. Well, I, and I'll be like, yeah, this is a platformer. It looks pretty good. Boat will be like, this is the best platformer I have ever seen on the Amiga. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and and you've, you've caused it the best uh, at least five times on the show. You you I, love... And the thing is, it's got nothing to do with the quality of the game. I mean, it does. But you're one of these people that you f- have a, a rush of joy for these certain games, and you mm-hmm. put them over like game. Yeah. You're like Jr. You know, uh, he, you're putting the stuff over. It always catches me. I'm always amused when you do that, and I'm always happy because I like it when you're happy with the games as opposed to burying them. So I, I'm effusive with my praise. As, is that as what well is that? Yeah. But I yeah. mean, is there any one thing where a boat always thinks it's great? Now I'm always like, this guy's an idiot. I can't think of. Can you think of anything? I mean, it's well known that Boat likes click point-and-click adventures more than me. But, I mean, it's not like I don't ever not you like know, I, one. I think that you... We, I Yes. I think that I'm much more sensitive to games that play slowly than you are. Like a game like Gods, you know, that sort of plods along. Or a game like Sodan. Like, the speed of those games doesn't bother you, but it really bothers me. So I'm more likely to bury a game that plays slow than you are. I kind of like that change of pace sometimes. So, mm-hmm. so if this question, if it was to you, there would be the answer. But I don't. I don't think there's a reverse answer where Boat agrees on stuff more often than I do. I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you, we could go back and watch two hundred seventy-eight, eight, nine shows and try to figure it out. Maybe there's a pattern in there. But I'm no statistician, Boat. Simulan asks if you could design a level for Manic Miner, what would it be called, and what wacky stuff would it feature? Go ahead. Um, you know, you don't really see a lot of outdoor levels for Manic Miner, you know? And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to have something that was like, um, like fun in the garden, you know? And, of course, anytime you've got a level that says fun in it, it's going to be the least fun thing you've ever seen if it's Manic Miner. And have him go about, like, you know, the, the iconic cover uh, or like title screen of Manic Miner is outdoors. You see like the rising sun, the tractor and all that stuff. I'd like to see those elements be incorporated into the level, you know? Um, so yeah, I'd go with an outdoor level of Manic Miner with a lot of farming implements. You know, if it was me, you know, we're, we're here in West Virginia. I got to plug our state again. We got a, we got a lot of caves up in here, boat, and we got a we lot do. of mines, as mm-hmm. you know. I would like to see real, actual names of caves, like Smoke Hole Caverns, Lost Caverns, Oregon Cave, stuff like mm-hmm. that, and then mm-hmm. obstacles in the cave based on the actual formations in the actual caves. There you go. You okay. base the level on real-life nature. It's a beautiful thing. I like it. I like it. Paul, a.k.a. Hermsky, asks, Excuse me. There have been many <laughs> odd simulation games published in the past. What wacky sim would you like to develop? Sim podcaster. That's it. You got to go through all the crap that, like the editing, the screw ups. You're, you've got to, you've got to get frustrated when your internet doesn't work. Stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, and I don't mean us. I mean like uh, like a big time guy where like they get abused. You've got to answer all the abusive mail and maybe mm-hmm. occasionally get a lawsuit laid on you. You know, or you've got to fight for uh, a percentage with YouTube. There you go. That, there's my game. Mm. I'd go with book binding, Aaron. Book binding, the simulation. Oh, God. You get your pages laid out. What can compare to the excitement to putting all the pages in order? And then you use one of those things that looks like a big cleaver to cut all the pages exactly. And then you take the needle and thread and you painstakingly sew each sheath together. Between the two of us, who's done actual book binding? Me. That's right. What? You've never I used told to, me about that. I used to work at the track, and I used to put out all kinds of booklets, of pamphlets, of brochures, really? rule books, everything. I did all that stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. And by the way, there's a needle and thread. This isn't like, this isn't medieval times. You get, the, you, get the, you get the, you you smash all the stuff into this gimmick, and then you paint the end of it with like this, with like this adhesive. That's how you do it. Maybe I'd have to change the title to medieval bookbinder. That's it. Yeah. But yeah, I can tell you right now, having done that, that's not game worthy. <laughs> no good. <laughs> uh, Figgy asks, what's your favorite cheese? Oh, I'd say I like Swiss cheese a lot. That mm-hmm. kind of generic, isn't it? Yeah. What do you, go ahead. Make me look like a jerk with some fancy pants cheese. I like many kinds of cheese. Uh-huh. Um, so I like a, uh, like, uh, I like a good soft cheese, like a brie. Uh-huh. You ever have brie? No, uh, maybe. I don't know. It, well, it's the kind that comes in the round thing. Yeah. And then you, you can bake it if you want to and make it all gooey on the inside. No, I don't think I've ever had that now. Okay. Uh, I like, I like brie, but I also like a, uh, I like a, a Munster or a Limburger, you know, one of those strong smelling cheeses. Um, the kind of cheese that I don't really like is the extremely hard cheese. Uh, I just, you know, like you get this and it's so hard. It's like, you can't really ever taste it. All you get is the texture and it's sort of chalky. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Brie. Brie's a good cheese. Mm, Okay. Uh, Lord Soup asks, I think a CD drive expansion would really have helped the Amiga and its relative youth. Do you agree? What thoughts on why say yes or no do you have? Depending on how early we're talking, I'm trying to think of when I saw someone with a CD-ROM back in the day. Because it's not like at 85, everybody was plugging in their CD-ROM. Like, these right. days, it took time, you know? Like, I didn't have one for the computer for a long time. And uh, so, but they were available, you know? Um... If the Amiga had a CD, a working CD drive that was sold at a decent price, it'd say, I mean, anywhere around 90. I think that's early, isn't it? Well, uh, the, the, the problem is, is like, when did you start seeing CD-ROM titles really flooding the market? Well, and how close to that was the death of the Amiga as a commercially viable platform? It, it, well, CD-ROMs, games, games sold CD-ROMs. Okay, mm-hmm. so they were available. The second CD-ROMs were available to sell. They were moving CD-ROMs. Okay, mm-hmm. so I mean, you've got your seventh guess and your uh, 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 miss and all that jive. All right, they're all right. And I missed. I think I'm pretty sure Miss came out in '94. 
All right, so it was a couple years after the CD-ROMs had been around. So let's yeah, say yeah, Seventh Guest came out in '93. Right. So let's say, and I've, and there were CD-ROMs before that, but that's when you had a consumer buyable something you could afford that came with some stuff you wanted. So let's let's just for fun say the Amiga had a CD-ROM that was affordable in '93. Okay, would that have made much of a difference? I don't think it would have, uh, because that's what the tables were had already turned. You know, the one thing that CD-ROMs brought with them was compressed data for uh, uh, video, for example. And eventually, without some sort of uh, um, graphical update... 3D uh, acceleration? Yeah, well, it's just, it was just... The Super VGA had left was, was going to leave the Amiga behind unless they upgraded something better. And so, I, it's not, I just don't see a CD-ROM being the lone thing that could have saved. So, I'm going to answer no. I don't see that. Yeah. Um, you know, whenever you mention CD-ROM and Amiga together, there's always people that jump out of the woodwork and proclaim, I had a CD-ROM for my Amiga. Because the CD-ROM, you could get a CD-ROM for your Amiga. Yeah. The thing is, is that there just wasn't any software. You know, if you, if you don't have software yeah. to push it, then why do you, why do you have this thing? And, yeah. and I mean... Um, and even when the CD-TV came out, if you're going to play those titles, a lot of those, a, lot, a high percentage of those were crap. It yeah. sort of reminds me about the conversation that we had about bridge boards yesterday. Okay. So it's like, you know, Amiga fans are over the moon because they've got these bridge boards that allow them to emulate PCs and emulate Macs and all this mm -hmm. stuff. But the thing is, the, the PC, you could have easily made an Amiga bridge board for a PC. The thing is, it was such a minor bit player in the overall market that nobody cared to do it. You could not have easily made an Amiga bridge board for a PC. I don't agree oh, with yeah, that. Oh, yeah, you definitely could have. Where they If at? there was a market Where for it, my dogs there at? wasn't. There was no market for that. And there would have been a market for it, I think. No. I think if, listen, I just don't the think you could do it. The people that wanted Amigas already had Amigas. Also, the custom... you got to think, there's a lot of... Uh, I don't think there's enough floor space on a car to, even, to put the circuitry on it, to be honest with you. But hey, this is irrelevant. Uh, uh, the PC... Bridge board was there, so the Amiga could put its foot in that pool. This is the, you know, the Amiga just didn't have the expandability of a PC for a while. And then when they did, Commodore made the wrong moves. I mean, it's just like we've talked about the Atari. You've got to keep moving forward or you're going to fall behind, and which is what ultimately what happened. Plus, with PC technology being embraced in the, in the office and eventually in the school, you were boned. You know, it's just the way it was. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't think the Amiga... We all know it's a great machine. It's that no one's saying that, but I mean, it was sort of doomed. I mean, it's, no one says, "Man, why didn't the C sixty four catch on and keep going?" You know, it was, it was didn't have the expandability. It got old, you mm -hmm. know, and that's what happened. The, the one thing about the CD ROM that I will I do want to touch on is, if you were an Amiga owner and you were watching PCs step up, equalize themselves with the Amiga, and then sort of move forward, and then they get a CD ROM and you don't have one. It was demoralizing, and it was a sticking point. That's why it gets brought up a lot. Was Magic Car was Magic Carpet a CD-ROM game? Uh, it was. Well, Magic Carpet, I don't remember, but it wasn't available on the Amiga, and it was. That's one what of, I mean. I was wondering if it was like the one-two punch of not available on Amiga and also on CD-ROM. The two games I remember thinking to myself, "This is bad." Were X-Wing and Magic Carpet. Neither one. It, that's what effectively caused me and my buddy to look at the PCs because you know, well. This thing's done. And plus, when you're reading the magazines and stuff, you can see the writing on the wall. And the writing sucked. And there's and there was no... Uh, 
It's not there was nothing there to give you confidence that they were going to do the right thing. Stuff like no CD-ROM, no CD-ROM titles, the Amiga 600, CD-TV, all these missteps made you realize that the company that ran Amiga were idiots. Mm-hmm. And so and you're and people that owned Amiga were geniuses. They weren't mm-hmm. stupid. So geniuses looked at the idiots and were like, "We're screwed." And that's what happened. There you yeah. go. Batman asks um as stateside specy fanatics, what is your favorite Spectrum model, favorite game, and favorite software house? Jesus, I don't know enough about the software houses to say what that is. I don't, I don't, just don't know them well enough. Uh, my favorite specy. What do you think the one twenty eight boat? Um. Well, I mean, I don't know. You're you're answering this question about what your favorite model. Well, I thought. Is. I, mean, I mean, do you have a thought on it? Oh yeah. You want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, so, looks-wise, it's got to be the original 48K. I mean, it just, it's iconic, okay? It's small. Yeah, it's tiny. It's like the Amiga 600. I like things that are tiny, that have a small footprint. However, usability-wise, it's not the best. Um, I really like the Plus 2 that, that we have. Uh, it's 128K. Yeah. It's got the built-in tape drive, which I think is cool. I love computers that yeah. have that. Um, That's what I'm talking about. It still doesn't have joystick ports, though, like DB9 joystick ports. you got to use special Spectrum joysticks, so you got to use the Kempson what, adapter. What model did get those? Did, did any get model get actual built-in joystick ports? That, well, the, the, no, the, the Plus 2 does have built-in joystick ports, but it's a special Spectrum joystick you've got to oh, use. Okay. You can't just plug in Atari sticks. Very clever. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I like the Plus 2 uh, for all of those reasons. Um my favorite game, hmm, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. There's a lot of good ones out there. Um, my favorite software house, you can't go wrong with Ultimate Play the Game, a.k.a. Rare. Uh, a lot of good stuff. A Tick Attack, of course, one of the great games of all time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd have to think on my favorite game. That's a tough one. I, I'm the same way. I, I agree with you. I like the... I like the uh, uh... And of course, one thing that I should mention is I've had I haven't had that much time with any of the spectrums physically because boats got them. I had the uh, I had the little one where I was fixing it, uh, you know, and it is it, the footprint's outstanding. It that's an amazing little device, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I do I do have to say I do like the uh, the, the what the built-in tape. I think that one looks cool. Um, <clears throat> gosh, I'm trying to think what my favorite game on there was. I mean, it wasn't my favorite game, but one of the best looking games was that Drift game, which we t- that keeps popping up. That was a that was a really cool game uh, when it came out. Uh, I was stunned when we saw it. I don't know when it came out, but when we saw it, I was very impressed with it. Uh, so I would say that was that's in the running. Chaos Force, uh, I love that one. I'd say that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, Frodo and Hermsky both uh, educate us on this. You can there's a converter that you can get. To make uh, Atari sticks work on the Plus Two. Oh, I guess we should look into that, but that'd be handy. Well, I've already got the thing that goes in the. I've already got we. That's you know, we true. have got... the, the Div MMC feature. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, coming up next, it's <clears throat> Retro Jerry. He asks, "What one food did your parents feed you as a kid that you won't ever eat again?" I and he says, "I will never eat SpaghettiOs again." I like SpaghettiOs myself. That that SpaghettiOs. Well, the generic version were a key element of my diet uh, back in the day, and probably will be again. Um, food my parents fed me that I'll never eat again. Uh, I have to think about that. You know, 
most of the stuff that they fed me, I ended up liking. You know, uh, I don't remember. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I don't like, but my parents had like forced me to eat it. They knew pretty early on. It's like, yeah, this guy doesn't like spinach, for example, or celery. You know, stuff or lettuce, stuff shocking, like that, healthy stuff. Shocking to hear. I can't help what I like, boat. You know, uh, what about you? Spaghetti. You don't like spaghetti? I, I hate spaghetti. Why is that, boat? I've thought about this a lot because I like pasta. Like yeah. I like like fettuccine alfredo. Is I'll it eat just that the all noodles? day long. It's. I think it's the thickness of the noodles. Spaghetti noodles are a little bit thicker, a little bit tougher. And uh, I'm not crazy about spaghetti sauce either, like the red sauce. I like mm-hmm. I like an Alfredo sauce, but I like pizza sauce. Pizza sauce and spaghetti sauce, not the same thing. Um, oh. So my parents used to make me eat spaghetti. I hate spaghetti. I also hate SpaghettiOs, obviously. Hmm. I do like ravioli, though. I like Weird. some of that Chef Boyardee ravioli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's odd. I feel bad for you not liking spaghetti. I do too because that's a food that. What if, lots what of if you made it with like like I never use spaghetti noodles when I make it. I use like uh, you know the, what's the cylinder round cylinder noodles or bow tie oh. or something. Yeah, something yeah, like, yeah. You'd eat that though. You would have a problem with that. Well, yeah. I mean, I would eat that more readily. But you sure. wouldn't want. You still like the sauce, the meat sauce yeah. or whatever, huh? Yeah. Fair enough. I understand. Um, let's see. Uh, Simulan asks. Have you ever considered going big with Ask the Amigos and having it as a general show with questions from just anyone out there? It's a very therapeutic show, and I think the general public would love it. We sort of do that, don't we? <laughs> well, no, we don't. Uh, we, you know, we limit you, the Gary. questions that people ask uh, from uh, just the Discord channel. You mean, does he mean just like taking questions from the audience type thing, like Carol like, Burnett? But like, like if we had a, like if we had an email address, like questions at amigospodcast.com. The only, the only problem with that, it's funny, I thought about that. Remember when you did the call-in thing that one time? That's yes. much more doable now than it was then. Uh, but the problem with that is, listen, I trust all of our friends in Discord. It's not just because they're giving me a buck a month, or it's just because I've been with these people for years, a lot of them, and I know they're not jerks. or They're not going to ask real stupid questions that are insulting or, mm-hmm. or, or make someone feel bad. Right. Or or are things that would uh, get us in trouble, and so if you, when you open this sort of thing up to just your average schmo, and don't get hey listen I'm an average schmo, but there's a lot of average schmoes that are also jerks, and they're gonna try to get on and cause trouble, you know I mean I guess if you moderate the questions you could do it. I never really thought about it, but I never really thought about this as a as a proper show, but I mean I guess it is now. We do one every month. So well there, there's a couple things. One is that I like giving our Discord community. Uh, you know, perks for, for supporting the show. You know, to me, this is one of the things that you can do if you, I mean, a dollar a month, I've said it before, is just such an inconsequential amount of money. You know, if you have any interest in watching the show on a regular basis or not, not just our show, any show, if you can't, if, if you can't shell out a buck a month to show your support, I mean, what, what are you doing? Um, but that's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, we do ask the Amigos once a month and it's a long show. I mean, we it's 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 at least two hours. We're we're about halfway done with the questions, and we've been running for about an hour. If we opened it up to everybody, I'm not saying there's this like you know glut of people that are you know dying to ask us questions, but it would make it longer, and we'd have to either you know whittle down questions from our Discord community to get other people's questions, or we'd have to make it more than once a month. And uh, I don't know how feasible that would be. I do love the show, though, and I, I will say that. The idea of just letting people just ask—I mean, 
I can't understand why people want to hear what we have to say about stuff. I never <laughs> understood that. But if if more people want to ask us questions, I, mean, I wouldn't be that wholly against it. This show, I don't have to prep for it, and it's all off the cuff. And I, there's part of me that likes that. So there you go. R- Rob, I, Rob says, the lady that shaves my eyebrows has some questions for Aaron. Hey, bring her on. <laughs> Rob, I don't, are you kidding me? <laughs> all right. This is question number two from Simulant. He says, a quick Bond question. All right. Uh, odd job or Jaws, who would win in a fight? Well, in real life, if the two actors were to square it off, Oddjob would have beaten the tar out of Richard Keel, or I believe it's his name. Uh, the uh, Okay, uh, you're going to have to remind me. Oddjob is the guy with the hat, and Jaws right. is, of course, the guy with the, the That's jaws, right. Right, okay. The actors that played them, I mean, uh, the guy that played, uh, I believe his name's Richard Keel, the guy that played uh, uh, Jaws has been around forever. Like he was in, he was in the old Wild Wild West show. He was in the old Twilight Zone. He was in the old Star Trek. He's been in everything. If you need a big lumbering, silent oaf, that's your man. So he's old. Mm-hmm. He was in Happy Gilmore, for God's sakes. I mean, he's old. Okay, and the guy that played, uh, uh, the guy that played Oddjob was a pro wrestler, and I think he also did Sumo. I believe that was the. I think that was Turu Professor Turu Tanaka. I think was his name. I think. And he was a probably pretty pretty tough cat. Plus, R- Richard had various body problems because he's a weird giant. Mm-hmm. All right, if you saw him in Happy Gilmore, he could barely stand up. He was all yeah. he's mauled. Yeah, that, that's that's the that's the shame about these huge guys is they developed all kinds of all kinds of health yeah. problems. And so, but in the show, in the Bond universe, you got to give Jaws credit. I mean, really, Oddjob only fought Bond the one time, and Bond bested him. With the old uh, uh, lightning, the old electricity, electricity thing, that yeah. hat. That's the one I've seen. Like, Jaws has survived all kinds of crap. I mean, he's fallen off great heights. He's had stuff fall on him. He's been blown up. That was part of his character. Like, every combat, he'd get mauled. So, I would say probably, and, and uh, if the two characters fought, I would probably go with Jaws. Jaws is a bad dude. I mean, Jaws bit through a shark, for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, he's a bad dude. He's That's been in pretty sp- impressive, and, th- and I believe Jaws was abandoned in space, so I don't think he's gonna be fighting anybody. But he's tough. He's super double tough, as they say. So I would yeah, pick him. Rob has supplied us. Unfortunately, both of these men no longer signing. Uh, Richard Keel died in 2014, and Harold Sakata yeah. sadly died in. I think 19- that was that was. I'm pretty sure his wrestling 82. name was Professor Tucker, but I could be wrong. I get there's a couple guys I get confused. There was another wrestler. In a Bond movie, I think it was, uh, oh boy, it's one where they were in Japan and uh, uh, Bond with the Ninja School, and there was another wrestler in there uh, that that uh, that that was uh, of some renown. So how did I that work? That. Did Bond just show up? And he's like, all right, I'm here for the Ninja School. Well, it's listen, they would take a whole show to explain it to you. Okay. That's one worth watching, though. It's good. Uh, question number three for Boat. Togo. A- thank you, thank you, Rob. As a man of faith, have you ever had to debate or fight with others to argue and justify what you believe in? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think anybody that has strong opinions about anything is going to, you know, when you want to try and uh, not necessarily convince somebody of your point of view, but explain your point of view. I try not to use the word, you know, when you're arguing about something metaphysical, it's, it's sort of weird. But uh, but I think that there are opinions that I have that are informed by my faith 
that I'll, I'll certainly argue with people. Um, but yes, I guess in, a, in answer to your question, yes. We never talk about re- your religion all that much. Uh, on, even off air, it, it, I mean, when you go to monastery stuff, it's, I always find that interesting. But we never really, I don't know, I don't really talk about religion all that much, do we? I mean, no, on a whole, no. you know, well, how often is that going to come up, you know? But, yeah. So, but yeah. yeah, good for you. It's tough to be religious today. It's even it, tougher to be Catholic. It's just, well, you it, know, it's one of these things. You got some people that want to just pick at you. You know, they, they want to just try and make you feel bad or make you feel stupid. Then there's other people that are genuinely curious or generally want to, you know, have a debate. And so it's sometimes determining who is who is, is, is half the battle. But at any rate, we move in. We move on. <laughs> to... Let's move in together, Boat. Come on. Oh, you know, it's funny. Actually, I want to talk about this real quick because this, this is a Britishism that I've noticed cropping up Again, and it, it's sort of annoying me, and I don't know why it annoys me. And you can tell me if you've heard this or not. But when somebody says, like, okay, let's start talking about this subject, they'll say, let's get stuck into blah, blah, blah. Have you heard lot. that before? Tons of times, yeah. Man, that gets on my last nerve. Listen, my kid regurgitates everything he hears on YouTube and, and, mm-hmm. and Twitch. And, and so anytime some kind of crap pops up, I hear it. And so that's what I've heard. Yeah, that's yeah. I've heard that plenty of times. And we got to make sure not to use that one. No. <laughs> we got we we'll, we'll stick with all of the Aaronisms. Someone's going to go Aganet. back and find me saying that at some point. <laughs> Guaranteed, because I'm sure I have. All right, Lord Soup. He asks, "What are your favorite competent but unexceptional games? Uh, like he loves Dogs of War on Amiga and Space Marine on PC. Competent, but." Acceptable? Unex- un- competent, but unexceptional. Oh, uh, go ahead, but I'll think of one. You know, most of my favorite games, I think, fall into that category. Like, most of my, I'd say 95% of all of my favorite video games scored in the sixes and sevens. Because I'd rather have something have a wacky premise and be flawed than be like a technically perfect cookie cutter game. But Trans- you know? Transantarctica or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like Transantarctica. That's a that's a perfect example of a game. I'm like, wow, you know, this is this is one that, you know, is it definitely has flaws, but you could see that they were trying to really do something new and it doesn't completely fail. Um, another example is uh well like the Katamari series. Like you wouldn't call those like, you know, the best games of all time. But they do something new and different and wacky, and I like that. Wacky goes a long way with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, you know, there are plenty of classic arcade games that fall into that category. Where there, I like them, and but I like I'll, I'll say, uh, and it was exceptional for certain reasons. But I mean, if you look at it in today's eyes, let's say something like a Galaxian. All right, you know, it just doesn't stand up against uh, a modern sh- uh, a modern. Uh, shooter or uh or even some of the past great arcades but there's a there's a there's fun to be had there's fun to be had with the the point structure uh you know it's not a glamorous game of course it did have color which was a big deal at the time but i mean by today's eyes so there are plenty of arcade games that fall into that category and i would probably pick that one a lot of people don't like galaxian uh but uh uh that's what i come back to occasionally just because i think i find it's I find it interesting, and it's it's just a step up from Space Invaders, so it's not real boring, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's not Galaga, where you have right. to, it's manic, 
So it's somewhere in between, and it works out okay for me. It, it you know, I've always just viewed Galaxian as a, like, like you said, like a stepping stone. It's a yeah. stepping stone. You, you had to have Galaxian to have Galaga. You couldn't have jumped from Space Invaders to Galaga. You have to have something in between. So, mm-hmm. all right, uh, Bundy asks. This is an interesting, and again, this is this is something that I don't think that we would necessarily say in America. What are your favorite bread spreads? Jelly, I like I like peanut butter and jelly. I hate to say it, um, you know when I've got it, I like apple butter mm-hmm. a lot. When you mm-hmm. can get it, again, mm-hmm. I mean the good stuff. That's what kind of crap. Right. Like you can go to Bob Evans Farm and get it. You ever had theirs? Real good, dude. All the time. Yeah, really. Whenever I go to Bob Evans, like the restaurant, well, I'm, I'm talking sl- about his I'm actual farm. Butter. Oh yeah, I, I haven't been there since eighth his, grade. His cider's good too, by the way. Man, um, I got a, I got a jug full of that cider, and I was drinking that on the bus on the way home. Like I got like a gallon, you know, because they sell it in. I think they only sell it in gallons. Yeah. And I had a combination worst stomach ache ever and having to pee at the same time. It was not a pleasant experience. Did I tell you my? I'm sure I've told you my Bob Evans cider story. You should tell it again. It's been a while. This guy though wouldn't give me a drink of his cider. He was being a jerk, and we were at Bob Evans Farm, so. He took a big swig in front of me to be a jerk, so I grabbed the bottle and just tipped it up, and I wouldn't let it come down. And so he had to try to drink all the cider. It was one of those, like, little things like a milk would come in, you know? And so it ended up pouring all over him. He had cider all over him. It was all sticky, and there was a crap load of sweat bees, and Bobby was... And so this guy, the entire rest of the day, this guy was covered in sweat bees. That's what you get for not sharing boats. You get that. You have to pay. Taught him a lesson. Yeah. Um, but, uh, as far as my favorite bread spreads go, you, you, if you break it down, you know, like savory or sweet, sweet, I'm a big apple butter guy. So I'm glad you said that. I like apple butter a lot. I'm also a big, um, marmalade guy. A lot of people don't like marmalade, but I like it. There's just something about that, like sour bitterness and a good, like orange marmalade. Uh-huh. So I'll go for those two at Bob Evans. Those are my, when they bring out, you know, the little jam trolley. You know, I always go for those. I dig right through the Concord grape. You throw those away immediately. I like those. But and let me ask you now, how much of this crap do you actually store in your house? Uh, almost nothing. Yeah. I mean, how I often do you spread crap on bread? Not, I mean, like my when parents I'm, used to yeah, serve. Not, not very often. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's funny. I think that it is something that we, in, 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 I can only speak for us where we are. But, you know, I think it, bread spreads are definitely a bigger thing with the Marmite, the Vegemite, and all that stuff, the salad cream. It's definitely a more of a Commonwealth thing. Yeah. You know, if you're under the crown, you're going to be doing a lot more of that I think than if it, you're under the Donald. I think with our parents, it was a bigger deal. Like, my mom used to serve buttered bread with every meal. Yeah. Like, and I never I, do it. That's true. My grandmother, whenever she eats a sandwich, she'll put butter on the bread. Yeah. Like, yeah. Interesting. And FYI, I don't even use real butter. I use I, I use I never use even have I never keep real butter in the house ever. Really? Yeah. I so don't use just, it that much. When I do, it's like it's always the low fat stuff. What do you have? The the shed spread country crock. I think I got I can't believe it's not butter. The spray mm-hmm. and then for the in the crock, I think I've got I think I do have one of the ones you mentioned there. Yeah, the yeah. ones in the gray. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And uh, I've never tried see. Marmite. I will. I'll oh, see I, I, I guess it. we should we should I should tell about you. So Marmite, I've had Marmite. I think I've had Vegemite, too. I think Graham might have sent us some yeah, Vegemite. That I've had. Yeah. Um, they both, to me, to my untrained palate, they taste very similar. They're both very salty. 
It's almost like uh, putting some potato chips on a uh, on a on a on some bread. Did you see that just now? I know it. I, my elbow. I hurt my elbow, and so I can't do anything. <laughs> my How arm. How did you hurt just, your elbow? I I think I heard it. It was either two, one or two things. I either heard it moving uh, Luke's new bed into his room that weighed a mm. thousand pounds, or Luke jumped on my arm with both his knees. And I think oh. it could have been that. <laughs> yeah, so, it could have been that. It could have been yeah. that. Well, we fight so, hard. How, how is the uh, how is that working out? Is Luke can he does he have the remote control? He is never, he adjusting? It? First of all, he sleeps better than me and you could ever dream of sleeping. Oh, I'm sure. So yeah, it worked out good. He thinks That's he's awesome. a big man, and he is. Really? He's got a bed that costs more than my first car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, Jason Warns has a couple questions from us for good us. Buddy from Canada, the Great White North. He says, when it comes to cakes, homemade or store bought, pre made. Homemade, yo. If you can get some sucker to make you one, if that don't happen that much, I'll take a homemade cake any day of the week. What about you? You know, I'm not a huge cake guy. Um, you know, when I, if somebody were to line a dessert tray for me, I would probably go to the cake last. I will go to the cookies and the brownies before I go to the cake. What do you like more, pie or cake? I'm not really a big pie guy either. I like my foods bite size. I like being able to go down on the plate Get a little something, shove it in the pie hole. Nope. Except it's not pie. Man, um, I, well, you, this is where I disagree with you every time. Where would that? Yeah, just so like what, the previous well, I mean, question. what kind of cake do you like? What kind are you offering? I mean, look <laughs> at me. What do you think? I I've don't never, know. I've never made a cake I didn't like. I love them. Love them all. Uh, uh, I love everything from a homemade. My dad makes this. Uh, I like fruit cake. My aunt oh, makes I do fruit like cake. cake. Uh, that's that's good exception. eating. It's some not people, really a cake, though. Some yeah. people don't like fruit cake. They should be killed. It. Yeah, uh, bring it on. You've got uh, uh, your German chocolate cakes. I'll take those. My dad makes this. Uh, uh, it's a chocolate uh, uh, mint cake. Oh man, it's good. That sounds good. Yeah, the old man's a good cook. You know, a lot, he'll make pies and cakes to beat the band. So I've been spoiled uh, by the homemade stuff. So you, it's always better. But yeah, I like all cake. I love sweets. I, I always have. Now there is a um, there's a second question, and I almost gave away my answer for this. So he says another cake question. Not sure why, ice cream cake or regular cake. So I'll take this one first. Hmm? I love Dairy Queen ice cream cake, like maybe like one slice every six months because it's incredibly rich. But I love like that layer of fudge. You know what I'm talking about on the inside there with that vanilla ice cream. Great. So that that's another kind of cake I like. It's funny you should mention this. Uh, is this Warren's? Because yeah. <clears throat> I just had ice cream cake earlier today, mm. and I didn't like it. Because really? Tree doesn't like chocolate, and she also doesn't like real icing. So they went to TCBY and got one of these vanilla cakes oh, with some kind of that you know that crap icing that's not really icing. It's more like mm. I don't know what it, it's no good. So this crap. cake was no good. I'm not a big fan of the old ice cream cake. I mean, I'll eat it obviously, but I would rather have a traditional. A birthday cake myself. I don't like cake and ice cream. Like well, I, I hate what happens is the ice cream starts to melt and it gets mixed in with the cake and that's no good. But I like come on, John. You're booing T C B Y. Are you kidding me? The chicks that work there deserve your praise. Anyway, because they're hot. Uh but uh uh, uh the uh if you ever been to Shoney's, they have the famous Shoney's hot fudge cake. You ever had that? I think most of the Shoney's had closed by the time I was five. They're still around. They're, I, I know I, there's one down in Bell. 
I went and ate at one in Flatwoods uh, a, a while a I can't while believe back. I still went in Flatwoods. Yeah, that's high price. There's, there's, there's a mall down there, and uh, man, they had the hot fudge chocolate. I mean, when I was a kid, like this, as a child, like this was like an event that was like right up there with Christmas and your birthday, where these trips to show to get this hot fudge cake because it was like. This was the best that you could get as a kid. Was this is cake. this better than the than the mountain mudslide? I don't know what that is. Whenever we have the your favorite dessert uh, thing, oh, you comes mean, up. Yeah, yeah, that it's a whole different dessert. No, it's not better. Nothing's okay. better than that. What is the name of that? Just for the record, you talking about the uh, um, Mississippi mud? Mississippi mud. That's yeah. right. You know That's right. something else. I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show. I, I know I talked about this on some stream. My, uh, you know, Tree's mom went to the bakery that day. She goes, hey, do you want something from the bakery? I'm like, yeah. I was like, get me a ladyfinger. Mm-hmm. Right? And so she went in there, and the bakery had never heard of ladyfingers. And they sent me a freaking cream. They sent me one of those cream cone things home. You, know you, you, don't, about? you don't visit that bakery again. No. Who hasn't heard of that? Right. Ladyfingers? You know what I like is the old Spring Hill hot dog. You ever have one of those? <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? Spring Hill? Yeah. That's yeah. the bakery you want to visit. Those are good eating. Yeah. yeah. It'll cost you, though. Yeah, they're expensive. All right. Uh, let's see. Kit, st- steering away from the cake questions, he yeah, says... I'm hungry now. Guitar Hero or Rock Band? Rock Band. Yeah. Rock Band. I've got my instruments right there. Time. Why would you prefer Guitar Hero over Rock Band, I guess is my question. It was first. <laughs> and then Rock Band ripped off their gimmick and yeah. just made it better. Listen, yeah. the, I play this thing called uh, uh, shoot. Look here, I've got the name of it on my desktop here somewhere. Anyway, I play this game that like amalgamates like all the stuff from all the different games, and like it's a PC game. And so I play that a lot. The problem with that one is you can't sing, and that singing's mm. part of the fun, you know. Singing's all the fun. I miss so much getting together with the boys. Yeah. And and playing rock band and getting liquored up, playing liquored up rock band. That's the best boat. Uh, and I miss that terribly. And I play yeah. sometimes in my room and people laugh at me. There are some songs that I only know through Drunken Nights at Matt's with Rock Band. Like that werewolf song. Yeah. What's that werewolf song we always <laughs> Curse do? Curse of the werewolf. Curse of the werewolf. That's yeah. a great song. God bless. That's a great song. I haven't heard that since we stopped playing. Oh, I'm going to get sad, Boat. But yes, we all love Rock Band. Boat, me, all the boys. We play the crap out of some rock. And we've got a hacked version of Rock Band. Got all the songs, doesn't it, Boat? Yeah, John Marshall, of course, in the chat right now. Part of the gang. Part of the rock band gang. All right, Aaron. We're moving on to the dunk. He's got a question here. Bread in a can. Have you ever had any, and what is it like? He doesn't mean, like, croissants and stuff, does he? Where you put them in the oven? He doesn't. Ex- he doesn't extrapolate. So, so maybe- yes, if you count that, where you you know you pop them open, you yeah, make biscuits and stuff, Pillsbury. I have mm-hmm. those every week, and they're great. So yes, if there's some other type of bread in a can that you just take out and eat, I've never had that. Boat, have you? No, I, I remember that there was a meme going around. This is very very old now. Remember the old I can has cheeseburger. Remember that that old shtick. Mm-mm. Well, there was a there was a can. It was canned cheeseburgers. So think about how awful that might be. But it was true. But I've never had it. But I have had, like you said, the Pillsbury. That's you know I've made from scratch. I've made puff pastry from scratch, 
and it is not worth the effort. Some things are worth the effort to do. That's not one of them. The Pillsbury stuff tastes great. You put you know it what in I there. I like is those layered roll. They're like biscuits, yeah. but they're layered, and they're like, like man. Yep. Can, I, I, we have breakfast for dinner sometimes, and I always make those. They're good eating. And, and even so the dupas can make them. I can make yeah. them. So, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Folds asks, what are your Christmas traditions? For example, we always make a gingerbread house, go to the snow dome, and drive around all the neighborhoods to look at the decoration displays. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> this year the traditions have changed. Sure. Obviously. When I was a kid, every year we had our Christmas tree and stuff at our house. And then we would, the night before Christmas, we would go to my granny's up in Cabin Creek. We had the big house, big tree, big gathering, you know, and it was a tradition every year. We'd spend the night Back there somewhere. Cabin Creek probably wasn't the scary death hole that it's turned into it's, now. It was, it was, it still wasn't great, but it was still, she had a, everybody loved them. And like yeah. I said, Papa was a coal miner for like a thousand years. So everybody knew him. Plus, right. they went around collecting rents for the coal mine for the, mm-hmm. the for the owners, so everybody knew them mm-hmm. and liked them. Uh, but uh, uh, so that was a tradition when I was a kid. And then, as an adult with a kid, normally we'll get everything decorated up, and have, we usually have two or three trees. This year we just did one. Uh, traditions are changing here at the old house uh, for the obvious reason. But we've got it all. We've got it nice and decorated up. Uh, normally, we'll go to my mom and dad's uh, Christmas night, and then Tree's mom and dad's uh, or Tree's mom's in the afternoon of Christmas Day. I don't know what we're gonna do this year. I mean, it's all up in the air. But I mean, there's no like. I mean, we have we get poppers and play with. We do those every year uh, when you can find them. Uh, we usually watch all the Rankin Bass stuff, and, and that's not much of a tradition, I guess. Is we don't have any like really cool traditions where we all like drink from the same pitcher or sign a big, we don't do any of that stuff. What about you? Um, when I, when I was growing up, the big thing was we always went to, um, midnight mass, of course. Yeah. Of course, uh, yeah. Because of the rule. Yeah. Right. Um, and that was something that I really enjoyed because it was like, you were staying up real late and I still remember like coming out of church and it was like, you know, one thirty or two in the morning. And like, I remember one Christmas it was snowing and it was just like it was like the perfect feeling of Christmas because I knew that the presents were not far off. Because mm-hmm. one of the great things about going to midnight mass is that uh, you don't have to worry about not being able to go to sleep because when it's two o'clock in the morning, you're going to go to sleep pretty quick. Um, I always visit my grandparents uh, over in St. Albans. They lived, you know, where College Hill is in St. Mm-hmm. Albans. They lived on College Hill, so when you in their house, you could look over, you could see the whole city of St. Albans and all the Christmas lights everywhere and stuff like that. And so that, that was awesome. Uh, these days, because my family is scattered to the four winds, um, you know, all of my siblings live in other states. So my sister just moved back to, uh, to Wheeling, although that's like we talked about on the show. It might as well that's, be another state. It yeah. might as well be another state. Um, we don't really have any, any, any traditions anymore. You know, Eep and I, we put up the tree. Um, you know, we still go to church on Christmas Eve, uh, but there, no more midnight mass. Uh, we just go in the, the four o'clock on Christmas Eve. Uh, we, uh, we have a Christmas village. He does a good job at setting up the Christmas village, those little houses. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's one of those things that what the things that, at least in my mind that make Christmas traditions make sense is having your family around and having kids. 
you know, kids are like the thing because you want them to get into Christmas. And when Eep and I don't have kids, so there's not really that incentive to really go all out for Christmas. And the fact that, you know, my family has just all moved, moved away. So did you, when you lived by yourself and it was Christmas time, did you ever decorate? You know, it's funny because there's only been two Christmases in my life where I, uh, where I was not at home, where I didn't come home for Christmas. And they were both when I was in Korea. And I was never homesick the two years that I was in Korea until, except during Christmas time. That was the only time I was homesick because, you know, in Korea, they decorate for Christmas just like we do here, not the individual homes, but when you go to department stores and stuff like that. And, uh, and so that was the only time I was homesick. I never, never bothered decorating when I was living by myself because I would always just come home for Christmas. I understand. I used to, I even decorated, I had a little tree at Mud Mountain I'd even put up. I was up there for all that time. So mm-hmm. I tried to keep the, the festive spirit. Well, the, your house was sort of a social gathering spot for that's lots right. of people, too. I, I, so it was true. a different deal. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, Simulan asks, he says, in the UK, we once had a classic TV show called Porridge. It was about hardened criminals. What are your views on the death penalty? Holy cow. And the U.S. incarceration. I thought he was going to ask about porridge, so he turned to something different. What are your views on the death penalty and U.S. incarceration system, Aaron? This is a subject near and dear to your heart. That's true. You know, the death penalty. Uh, if you listen, I, mean, I listen to a lot of old-time radio, as you know, Boat. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to old radio shows or watch old shows, the death penalty was literally the... This thing was used in every show as the ultimate like uh, uh, tool to keep you from breaking the law because mm-hmm. everyone got electrocuted or hung or whatever back in the day. But we in America we we execute so few people that it's whether you are agreeing with it or not it's almost pointless in a lot of ways and I don't think it's a deterrent either. Like I think that time has passed in the fifties. Probably, but now I don't think it deters anyone from doing anything. So, personally, it just seems the death penalty seems pointless to me. Whether it's right or wrong is irrelevant. It's pointless. It's not like it's thinning out the herds in the prisons. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not like we're killing off hundreds of people to keep the prison situation. No, we're not. Uh, in terms of the incarceration in the states, I hear this a lot. And the problem I've got with a lot of people is people are like, empty the prisons for us prisoners. The problem is boat and i can i can tell you this firsthand I can, i've never been to every prison on earth but i've been to a lot of more prisons than most people sure the problem is a lot of people in prison did some bad crap and they and so they're locked up because they broke the law you know what i'm saying it's not like they got it's not like there's a bunch of bamboozling going on you know what i mean now mm-hmm. i can't speak for every prison in every part of the whole world i can just speak for the prisons that i go to right and 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 having my my finger in the pie in Kentucky of knowing what's going on. There's we've got plenty, plenty of people breaking the law, and I don't mean like smoking a doobie or like uh, uh, going 56 and a 55. I mean straight up hardened drug deals and sexual abuse and uh, uh, all kinds of super bad stuff. You don't want these people on the streets; they're bad. Uh, and so uh, when you've got overcrowding in prisons. What you've got here, in my opinion, anyway, it's not a prison problem. It's a social problem. You've got something's going on socially that's ca- that's causing you to have a bunch of bad guys doing a bunch of bad stuff. Uh, 
So if you want to stop the, and trust me, no one wants to stop the overcrowding in prisons more than the people that work in the prisons. I can tell mm -hmm. you that right now <laughs> because it is the worst. It's the dirt worst. And the people that are incarcerated don't want that either. They're because they're like they're double booked everywhere. But I mean, in my opinion, uh, you've got social problems that need to be addressed. Now, I don't have an answer for that. But when I hear people say, hey, we've got, we're locking people up for dumb reasons, uh, maybe somewhere. But I mean, everyone, I mean, I'll look, I see what's going on. And most of the people that are locked up are not good. They do some bad, some real bad stuff. And so while I'm not saying there's not a percentage of people that you could let loose uh, because they're doing some kind of petty garbage. And you know me, Boat. I'm a pretty straight shooter when it comes to cops. It's not like I'm the biggest, I'm not the biggest supporter. I'm pretty much neutral in the whole thing. But, I mean, one thing I've learned from working in prisons, it's eye-opening. When you hear and see what's going on and why these suckers are in there, uh, it's bad times. And the sad thing is, there are plenty of bad times ahead. Because even if you empty the prisons today, they could fill these suckers back up tomorrow. There's still plenty of bad stuff going on in the world. Uh, we have to socially uh, uh, try to steer the ship in a direction that will keep these people from becoming... Uh, drug addicts or or sexual abusers or thieves. Uh, drugs, of course, in Kentucky is horrible, and it's a very big motivator for the majority of the crime in the state, in my opinion. Probably West Virginia, too, Boat. Mm -hmm. So you've got people that are addicted to drugs, probably because they were desperate. They probably came from a desperate t house, you know, and uh, this isn't like the Menendez brothers, a bunch of people that were rich and they just turned evil. These are people that probably grew up in the worst and most desperate times and when you're when you have no hope, when you have no uh, means of of seeing a good future for yourself, it's a lot easier to lose yourself in drugs and alcohol and other stuff, and lead yourself down a path to destruction and a path of destruction for yourself and your community and the state and and the country. So, I don't know if that sheds any light on anything, but what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you you know more about the prison conditions than I do. Um, as far as the death penalty goes, it's 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 all relative. Uh, we don't execute that many people, but we are one of the few you know developed countries that still has the death penalty at all. You know, yeah, it's, it's been abolished pretty much everywhere else. It's stupid to have it. I mean, I, I, I don't. Did I say that? I should yeah. have. They need to, I, they need I to waste. I, they're I, waste their time on that. I, I think that it it is not a deterrent. I don't think that it's ever been a deterrent. And I think there are tons of people, as you know, it, it's been shown over the past 20 years with DNA evidence that a lot of times we kill people that are actually innocent. So that's my thoughts on that. Uh, as far as the U.S. incarceration system, like you said, it's it's a societal problem. Um, we, we, we have people that are growing up that, uh, you know, are just surrounded by nothing but desperation and misery. And they make choices based on the way that they, they've grown up that are horrible, I do think that we can do better with once we have people in prison. Like, we need to decide. We used to call, you know, prisons institutions of reform, where, you know, the whole idea behind the prison system was rehabilitation. And it's hard to, you know, do we want, do we want a prison sentence to be a punishment or do we want a prison sentence to be, uh, you know, a place where you can go and, you, you know, of course, punishment is part of it. But do you do we actually want people coming out of the prison system better than when they went in? Um, and that's that's a question that I think society has to answer. I do think that we're definitely 
headed in the right direction in terms of reform, in terms of like locking up, you know, you're talking about there's nobody in, in jail for smoking doobies. Well, there actually are a ton of people that are in jail for smoking doobies, just maybe not around here. But, you know, if you read any of the studies about, you know, why is there such a disproportionate amount of, you know, people of color in prisons, it's because the book gets thrown at them for these low-level offenses much more often than they do for your, your average white folk. And I do think that that's one of the few things that both sides of the aisle have been able to accomplish, even in this last administration, is some reform of the criminal justice system for these low-level, nonviolent crimes. So uh, the, 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 the prison system is bad in the U.S., especially when you compare it with the prison system in, in most of the other developed world in terms of the number of people that we lock up. The rate of recidivism is much higher here. But I, I think, and it, maybe it's because I'm an eternal optimist, I think we're starting to turn the corner on some of this stuff. My, my views are jaded and slanted, given what I see. Right? Uh, uh, I see too often people come back to prison. Right. right. Recidivism. That. Yeah. I know. Uh, and uh, I think crime in this area is, is I mean, I think a lot of crime is drug related, obviously. I, I mean, would you say, I would say 80%. 80% of violent crime in this area is drug related. I would say, well, I don't know about that. I mean, maybe. But I mean, I'd say a, a large chunk of just crime in general. I don't sure. want to narrow it down because... Uh, a lot of people get desperate for money, you know. Uh, there's something about being around here that, well, I mean, I know what it is. We're it's a it's, it's a desperate place to live, and it's mm -hmm. tough to get by, as you know. And so it's easy to turn to the dark side. Uh, uh, and I know plenty of people. I know plenty of people that have been in the joint. I know people that have should have been in the joint over the years. Uh, you know, and. I, what can be done about it? Honestly, I don't know. I hope we're turning the corner at boat, but I don't... It's tough. It's tough. To... If I had a nickel for it, I was standing in a booking area, and they said, well, Jimmy, what are you doing back here? And the guy's like, well, they caught me again. Mm -hmm. yeah, I've heard that so many times. Sure. And, and I've heard people get on the phone and cry and try to get someone to, to come down and drop off their items or whatever. It's so sad. It's so depressing. Uh, but the, the, and I don't, you know, but I mean, the prison system is a necessary evil, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I, I honestly, I believe this. I know you may not agree, but you could let everyone out that has a minor drug offense, let every single one of them out right, right now. And they would they would fill these prisons up again in, 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 in a year because uh, uh, until the drug situation's handled and until an area like this is is uh, uplifted. It's not going to stop. We're in a, it's a vicious cycle, you know? Yeah. It is. There, yeah. there you go. Okay. Um, Paul, a.k.a. Hermsky, asked the same question that Chris did about Christmas tradition. So we, we've, we've answered that question. Uh, Flack asks, when do you put your Christmas tree up? When do you take it down? And is it fake or real? We put ours up. I've got a rule, a standing rule. We don't put the Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving. That's out. Uh, and uh, we usually take it down. I usually have this sucker down by January 2nd or 3rd. Take it all down. Depending on how lazy I am. <clears throat> um, 
it's not a tradition. It's just that's the way we do it. I don't see any reason to keep it up for too long. I don't want to get into the trend where you just keep this crap up for like a, the whole month of January. What about you? Um, it really depends. A lot of time we decorate for Christmas the week of Thanksgiving because I'm off that week. You know, right. that, that week I'm off of school and it's just convenient. Um, and uh, we'll put it up. a lot. Uh, most of the time we'll take our Christmas tree down at Epiphany, which is usually two weeks after Christmas, mm-hmm. um, the uh, we will normally leave our Christmas village up uh, throughout January, even into February sometimes, just because it's so cheerful to look leave, at. You should leave that up year-round. She does it, a great job. It is that. very nice. Yeah. And it's not necessarily, you know, only Christmas. It's just kind of like a little model town. Have you, you ever know? shot the footage of that for the channel? I should. You really should. should. Um. And uh, so, but uh, most of the Christmas decorations come down uh, after Epiphany. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, artificial tree, by the way. Oh, yeah. Artificial tree for me, too. Uh, let me ask you a question, Aaron, because Eep was asking me about this. You see, uh, like over by Fruth, they've got the, the Christmas trees for sale. Yeah. Do you know anybody that has a real tree? This year, I don't know. But, yes, normally I know some people. Those I've trees never, sell out I've never met anybody that had a real tree. We've actually had one before when I lived at home. Uh-huh. And the problem is, it's just that it, all the needles fall off of it. I mm. wouldn't have one now because of the cats. Because the cats are... Snowball, who's sleeping right here like a bum, uh, uh, he gets up in there and tries to eat the artificial tree. You know, mm-hmm. he'll, if the needles come off that, he'll eat them. So yeah. I don't want a real tree. It would He would be full of needles. Eep has got, like, she's sort of got a sensitive nose to, out, you know, any kind of dust or anything in the air. And I think it would just set her off having a real tree. Yeah. Um, and you can't beat the convenience of an artificial tree, you know. Like, yeah. especially we've got one that's pre-lit. You don't even have to, like, yeah. put the branches on there. You just basically, like, turn it upside down. And it goes, whoop. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so. quite remarkable. I remember when Mom and Dad had the old artificial tree back in the day. It was just a wooden pole with holes in it. And you poke the limbs in. It took yeah. forever to set the sucker up, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see here. Batman asks, what were your best computer game related Christmas gifts? Oh, well, I know I've told this one, but I'll tell it again. <clears throat> the uh, the year that I got my color computer two was uh, I got I got uh, the color computer two and I but I got no uh, and I got a bunch of discs, but I had no disk drive for it. And so all year, I sat there looking at these discs. I was like, man, this is killing me. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I was loading stuff off cassette. But, I mean, I've got this huge container of discs, all these games, both. Right. And for Christmas that year, I got a, a, a Tandy TRS-80 Color Computer 2 disk drive with the, uh, you know, with the interface card. Holy smokes, that was the best gift. And I was so excited that I set it right up and played games. And then when it was time to go to Granny's, I put that thing in the car and took the whole thing up to Granny's <laughs> and set it up at Granny's house. And played up there, I, I, and my parents were happy. Those things weren't cheap. That's no. probably one of the most expensive Christmas gifts I ever had. I think that thing cost more than a computer. Yeah. And uh, uh, but man, c- computer related wise, I mean, I know a lot of people in here are going to have your ZX Spectrums and stuff. But for us, my house, we were a here at City Color Computer family, and man, that was a, such a great, great time to be into computers, man. And I don't think I'm not sure it ever got any better. I mean, I have a good time now. It's a lot easier and stuff. But I mean, just the joy and the and the something you can't get back or you get it back rarely is the is the surprise you feel when you see something. You're like, I can't believe this exists and it's here. You know, it was amazing. That kind of feeling. What right. about you? 
Um, I didn't really have any computer game related Christmas gifts that I, I, I remember with a lot of joy. One one year, I believe I got a couple uh, Atari 1200XL cartridges, but those were always a letdown. Um, <laughs> I always... Uh, the there was a catalog that Atari would send out, or my dad would somehow procure this catalog, okay? And the catalog, it was a text catalog. So you had to buy games based off the text descriptions, okay? So 3D Tic-Tac-Toe comes to mind, where it was like, they, they made this game out to be like it was like Star Wars chess on the Millennium Falcon, you know? And I don't know if you've played 3D Tic-Tac-Toe, but it is not, it no. is not that. No. Um, my uh, my favorite uh, video gaming related Christmas though was the year. This was a magical year. I think it was 1991 or 1992, and I got Final Fantasy for the NES. I got a Game Boy, and I got a Game Genie. Okay, you were set so up. The yeah, the Game Genie was great because I could go back and I could replay all my old games and beat them all. So yeah. that was awesome. I got Final Fantasy, which was like, you know, this was the, my introduction to Japanese role-playing games, which I loved. And then Game Boy. Finally, I could take like a real gaming experience on the road that wasn't one of those Tiger LCD games. Yeah. So Let me ask you a question real quick on the along the lines. You, how old were you when you, when you got your uh, 8-bit, your Atari 8-bit? Uh, I think I was 5. I think uh -huh. we got that in 1986. So you grew, literally grew up with this thing. Yeah. Did yeah. you and play I this after it. the consoles came out? Did you still go back to it? I it was no, not really. That I mean, was my I, big. It, so what? What do you think you stopped using it on a on a daily basis? It, well, I still for games. Think, for no, yeah, I was gonna say I still probably tie, I kept a journal on it actually for a long time. I yeah. used a, a word processor called I think it was called SpeedScript. Um, but uh, as far as playing games. Yeah, it, it fell out of my life until I was a senior, junior or senior in high school. And something happened, and I was like, oh, yeah, this old thing. And I brought it up to my room. I had a desk in my room. And just having, like, the computer in my room was sort of exciting because I never had that growing up. I never had a TV in my room or anything right. like that. And that's when I discovered um, online, you know, like, there were people that were selling basically discs full of software. So you get, like, a billion games for $10, and you send somebody some, you know, some money. And so I, I discovered a lot of games that I didn't know about before, and that's also where I got, like, games like Mule and stuff that was too complicated for me as a kid that I sort of got into. So the renaissance in retro gaming really started for me towards the end of high school. So I guess my last question, because I'm building to something here, is did you pirate stuff when you were using the Atari the first time around, or did everything you had was bought? No. 99% uh, of all my games were pirated. My dad had a friend, and I still remember his name. His name was Skid Kennedy. Skid, yeah. I, I, I believe Skid Kennedy's deceased, so he won't mind if I, if I out him as a filthy, rotten pirate. But uh, he, he had the lowdown on where to get this stuff from. And so my dad would basically just buy him boxes of discs and he would uh -huh. copy stuff and, and we'd end up with so, it. So uh, the reason I ask is, I mean, I, as a kid, and of course, listen, I'm not even going to go into the disclaimer on piracy here because it's been beat to death. We pirated stuff. It's the way it was. Do you remember what the, do you have any memories of putting in a disc and loading something and literally being blown away by it on the Atari, just something that you couldn't believe. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I can, there were a couple times, like the first time I heard uh, E.T. speak, 
in the ET phone home game because yeah. I had the volume cranked in that game because you have to that, the 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 it acts as a radar like when the bad guys are coming you start to hear it softly and gets louder and when you get all the parts and you bring it back and you hear ET go ET phone home, it sounds like uh like uh like Cheech and Chong it was a weird ET yeah. uh, that scared the crap out of me I shut the computer up and I ran up in my parents bedroom and I put the covers over my head I was that scared um <laughs> So that was one time that the Atari really wowed me. Also, playing Death Star Battle. Uh, I don't know if you've played this or not. This is a game where you start out and you're outside the Death Star, and the Death Star is far away. That had a console release, didn't it? Uh, I don't think so, because it's a very simple game. But do you fly the Millennium Falcon? You you do fly the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, I've played that, yeah. Uh, you go up through a hole, and I don't know what these holes represent, but anyway, you go and it's like you're you're watching the the jump into hyperspace. Yeah, that that wowed me. So those are a couple times where, but it was nothing compared to like Super Mario Brothers. I mean, that game literally blew my face off. Like it, as far as you know, I guess it's the age thing because I mean, I would be I would routinely have my mind blown, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and it was that's I think that's the thing I like about the computers the most. It was the Part of the joy of piracy, frankly, was just you'd get a big handful of crap. You didn't know what it was. Like, if you go out and buy a game, you research it or you really read the back of the box, and you know what you're getting. But when you put that disc in for the first time and you run it, you don't know if you're going to get some kind of crazy sound effect or some digitized music or a crazy graphical effect. It was just, I love that, the feeling you get when you are surprised. Oh, you know, and I think I definitely got that as part of being a computer owner. Like, I wonder what this game is. And, and it was a fun game, but... Part of it was the fact that I my friends had Nintendos and I was always going over to their house to play, and so the the Atari was always a step back. Yeah, you know, I understand in terms of, in terms of graphics. I'm, if I would have been experiencing the stuff, yeah, like you did, absolutely, I'm sure that would have happened. I'm glad. I'm, that's one of the reasons I'm glad I didn't get into consoles <laughs> until later. Of course, it, when you're old, it didn't. There were no consoles that worked that right. good. Right. All right. Uh, let's see. This is my question for you, Aaron. What is your favorite Christmas song? Hmm. Uh, um, there. I, there's a couple really good ones there. Um, I like, uh, uh, what's that one? We Three Kings. I like that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. I like the, uh, you know, you got to like that stuff from the Siberian, uh, whatever, Trans Siberian Orchestra. Yeah, the Christmas song they do, the big one, you know, you hear yeah. all the time. I Carol like that the Bells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I like Bob and Doug McKenzie's Christmas song off their album, because I love that album. So that's one of my favorites as well. What about you? Um, I sort of separate them out. You know, you've got like your sacred songs and your secular songs and stuff. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I've got several. I'm actually going to post uh, four of my favorites counting down to Christmas Eve on the Discord. So oh, stay man. tuned. Um, but, uh, one song that I really like that a lot of people don't know is off the Bing Crosby Christmas album, and it's a song called Christmas in Killarney. Are you familiar with that song? Yeah. It's uh, got a the, real... the Bing can throw it down old school. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like love that song. And yeah. a big part of it is that my grandparents had that eight track, you know, my grandparents in St. Albans, I'd go over there and decorate the tree and slam that eight track in and listen to it. I'm so happy so. that you were, that you were around long enough to where you got to at least play with some eight tracks back in oh, your yeah. youth. Yeah. The eight track we had an eight track player in the car, and Dad had a CB Classics album. We used to play there all the time. It had like uh, uh, all the crap you would expect the CB Classics to have. It had that song about the duck, 
and it had the uh, uh, some stuff from you know Phantom 309 and all that mm-hmm. stuff on it. Red mm-hmm. Sovine. Uh, the A track was a neat a neat thing. I, I mean, I guess it caught on. I, I mean, I guess it just went away. In a lot of ways, it was superior to the cassette tape. You know, in, in pretty much almost every way, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, you, it was like because you had that access, you could access yeah. different parts of it. So, it's a shame that it it, it did not uh, outlive the the cassette. Yeah. Um, Christian in the chat, he says he lo- he's always loved Good King Wenceslas. That that is that's one of my favorites. One. Also, yeah. we don't really sing that one. That's not really one that's that's well known uh, around these parts. It's no, it's just no one sings the lyrics to it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Well, yeah. a lot of the times people know it if they were in band because it's a it's a band. Staple. We played that in band playing, too. Yeah, Man, yeah. Those band Christmas parades, those sucked. <laughs> You're out there in two degree weather and that stupid yeah. flimsy outfit playing. I Christmas still remember songs. coming around in the round in the curve by the post office where the post office used to be. You round the curve by the red, white, and blue bridge, and then your valves are frozen and you're beating on your horn. Good time. There's nothing more fun than it's like two degrees and you're out there blowing on a big metal thing. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, oh God, this is the worst. <laughs> All right. Uh let's see. Jigglebox asks, he says, Have you ever been to the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia? And if so, did you carve your name in a lonesome pine? This must be a song. Are you aware of this song, Aaron? I'm not aware of the song, but I have been to the Blue Ridge Mounds, and I'm sure you've been there too. I'm sure I've been through there. Yeah, I don't. It's it, but uh, but yes. All right. His next question. He says you seem to like quite a few British bands from the '80s and '90s. Uh, and this is a, this is a question for me in particular. So thank you, Jigglebox. Are there any lesser are there any lesser known similar US bands that you think a UK audience should experience? Oh Lord, here we go. College <laughs> music coming online. Here we go. I knew, I knew you would react this way. So really, when it comes down to it, I am a cultural Anglophile. I would say that ninety percent of my favorite authors and ninety percent of my favorite bands slash music are all British in origin. Uh, you know, that's just the way it is. Like my favorite authors like C.S. Lewis, P.G. Woodhouse, they're all all British. Uh, my favorite bands, you know, by and large, all British. But uh, and get your get your pencils ready. College music fans. You've been, you've been waiting for this. You've been waiting for me to ask you this one. I'm going to drop some knowledge on you. I got three. OK, the first one is the Brendan Eater Ensemble. Yeah, the Brendan Eater Ensemble. You need to check them out. They are called Chamber Hop. It's like hip hop mixed with chamber music. That's right. Bassoon, baby. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sounds like nerd music to me. Number two, the Sea and Cake. The Sea and Cake. They are an awesome band out of Chicago. They rule. Check them out. Number three, a band called Mr. Jukes. And what you want to do is you don't want to actually listen to their actual album. You want to go on YouTube and you want to find Mr. Jukes live at the church. This is like one of the best live performances of all time of any band. So check that out. Mr. Jukes live at the church. You want Brendan Eater Ensemble and you want the Sea and Cake. Bam. Done. All right. Aaron, you have anything to add? Go dig up some Boney M. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't think Boney M, I think Boney M was British. I didn't say they weren't British. I just said okay. go dig some Boney M up. No okay. said. Um, Simulan asks, have you ever watched the classic UK Christmas animation, The Snowman, from 1982? Have you seen that one, Aaron? 
It's funny because I don't know if I've seen the animation, but I know I've seen a, one of these storybooks where they took stuff stills from it and made it a book. I think it's the other way around. I think that they they, they made the animation from the children's. Perhaps, book. but I have seen the snowman, so I I I don't recall seeing the animated uh, version, but I know I've seen the book. I want to say that uh, I I watched this. I think they might have played it on Nickelodeon at some point in the past. Because uh, I I watched I haven't rewatched it but I, I did check it out and uh, and it looked familiar. All right, Simulan also asks, "Have you seen the Netflix show Alien Worlds? It shows what life on other planets might be like. Scientists now know there are more other planets in the universe than grains of sand on Earth. Any views on alien life out there?" I've not seen this. You know, I get precious little time to watch anything, and so. Of course, being an idiot, I've been watching reruns of Columbo in my spare time this week, <laughs> this month. Uh, but uh, do I believe there are aliens? Yes. Uh, do I believe they have visited us here? I would say yes. Uh, are there people on Earth that know this? Yes. Um, are there more planets than grains of sand? Yes, absolutely. So yes to everything, except for seeing the show. What do you think, Boat? I think that it is extremely likely that there is alien life in the universe. The universe is massive. That's right. What about visiting Earth, Boat? I think that the chances, because the universe is so massive, Uh I think the chances of alien life visiting us without it sort of being generally known in a major way is low. Um, I just can't believe that if alien life has visited us, that and if if people do know about it, like if there are people, if there is a conspiracy, I don't believe in humanity's ability to keep a secret like that uh, sewn up. I agree so. with you on that, but I think that I think a few enough people know that it, it that it could have happened. It could have happened. I mean, I'm not I'm not closing the door on it. I'm just saying unlikely. Um, Lord Soup asks, he says, are there any game series that the series was not concluded and you were into the story and you really want to find out about the denouement? For example, I feel this way about Condemned and the Darkness series. Um, ponder that for a minute. I'm trying to, you know, it's not like I play tons and tons of series here. You know... I can't think of anything right off the top of my head. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm I'm more of a twitchy gamer, so I don't really get into these long, drawn-out things that carry a plot through five or six stories. So, what about you? You play all these fantasy stars and all this crap. Well, surely one of those never got completed, Boat. Well, first of all, I've never played a fantasy star game. Well, you know that's what on, I mean. That's, that's on the enemy console, the Sega. Why do you hate um, the Genesis, my friend? Yeah. All it wants you to do is love it. That's all it's ever wanted. It's the worst, the dirt worst. Um, so, uh, oh. I don't know that I've ever played even a game that had a sequel before, like a direct story that carried over into the next game. Um, I played Mass Effect 2, and then I started playing Mass Effect 3, but I just couldn't get into it. Like, it just what didn't feel like the same game to me. I've definitely never completed two games from the same series and felt that there was like uh, missing something. Most of my most of the games that I've beaten are one and done affairs. Yeah, yeah, we're 
Also, we have short attention spans, don't we, Boat? Yeah, most of the games I've also beaten, I can count on one hand. I just don't complete a lot of He games. likes Bubble Bobble. I like Donkey Kong. It's it's a one and done. We're yeah. out. We're we out. We just walk away after that. Uh, let's see. Simulate. This is a question that is interesting. He says, do you ever get up on a morning and think, I'll just do a repeater and then just re-wear yesterday's underwear? No. Oh, no. Well, no, that's not true. If, For example, this is something that a lot of people don't know about anymore. Maybe some people do. There were these things called laundromats, Boat. And when you don't have a washer and dryer, you will have to frequent these establishments with your coinage. And when I lived in Lexington, uh, I had to use a laundromat to do all my laundry. And uh, this was a problem <laughs> because they suck. And sometimes I didn't have the money to go to the laundromat. So I'm sure there that may have done that. Also on the mountain, I had no washer and dryer. And so, really? Yeah. And so, uh, see, here was the plan on the mountain. There were washer and dryer hookups up there, but they were in the basement of Mud Mountain. You don't Mud, want to go down there. Well, Mud Mountain is a lot like the Evil Dead cabin. Like, that's where <laughs> the demons are. Yeah. Plus... Unlike the Evil Dead cab that had easy, easy access to the basement, on my at Mud Mountain, you had to climb off the porch, climb down a hill, walk under the porch, and for some reason, there was always broken glass under my porch. Like, when I moved <laughs> in, it was there. I don't know what they did there. They shattered a chandelier under there. Mm. Then you had to walk into this dingy, unlit, like, demon haven to do your clothes, and so I wasn't keen on it, so I usually just took my crap back to my mom and dad's and washed it on the weekends or something. So probably there, too. I try not to do that, not purposely do that. What about you? Uh, no. I mean, there's no reason to. Like, I can understand, like, if you physically don't have the money to, like, wash your clothes and then you need to rewear them. But, I mean, like, my hamper and my chest of drawers are directly beside each other. So, like, there's no reason for me to just not put on a fresh set. Plus, I'm the kind of guy that likes to take a shower first thing right in the morning. I mean, 99% of the time, that's how I wake up. I like taking a shower first thing. Um, and so, of course, it doesn't make any sense to put on dirty clothes after you take a shower. Um, so, yeah. Now, I will rewear like, other clothes. Like, if I'm wearing, like, a sweater, like, the day before, and I haven't been out or whatever, I'll throw that on again. Yeah. I don't have any qualms about you know, that. Mitsuyama asks, what is Mud Mountain? Because oh. we may have some new listeners or, or viewers that have never heard me. I haven't talked about Mud Mountain for a while, I don't guess. Uh, before I moved here to Hurricane, I lived on Mud Mountain in Charleston, Virginia. It was the only dirt road in the entire city of Charleston, which Charleston, believe it or not, is our state capital. Um, Mud Mountain was just a house out in the woods uh, on the right beside the interstate, ironically, in, in uh, Charleston. What is the what is the address? What's the mailing address of Mud Mountain in case somebody wants to Google Maps it? It's one. Well, it won't come up, uh, but it's one Sunrise Drive, Charleston, West Virginia. The problem is it's tree covered, and it also thinks one Sunrise Drive is up on the hill behind Mud Mountain. Mm. Uh, but but if you go to my channel, not the Amigos, but the uh, Aaron Dowdy, I guess it's the Devil Bunny. Uh, channel. I've got a video of me driving from the street to up to Mud Mountain. It's pretty amusing. You want to see what it was like because it was a road of absolute doom. 
And the good thing about Mud Mountain is, I used to, I used you know, to, you should, you should, uh, you should bring that up and like share your screen. Do you have the ability to do that with these, with these settings that you got? Because you can, you can give us a, uh, a guided tour. Ask the, us another question while I fiddle. Okay. Um. So Paul, aka Hermsky, asks. He says there is a UK toy retailer advert advert on TV at the moment using the strap line. If I were a toy, what would I be? So the same question goes to you. If I were a toy, what would I be? So I'll answer this one first since you're busy. Uh, I would probably be a slinky because uh, I'm, I'm sort of like, you know, I slink around a lot. That's what the ladies say at least. Um, you know those uh, rock of socket robots? I think I might be the the one. I'm, I'd be the one that has the arm that's busted, and so all I can do is just get repeatedly punched. I think that would probably be me. I, I, I agree with you, Mitsuyama. Mitsuyama says Aaron would be a two XL because you do oh, have all the answers. That would be great. <laughs> um, but I'm, he's in the same sort of stocky exterior as well. <laughs> he's stocky, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, where are we at, Aaron? You got it pulled Keep up? Keep going. No, I'm okay. working on it. Uh, Duncan Styles says, a Christmas meal isn't complete without. For me, we don't really have a Christmas meal. It's not like Thanksgiving. I know that in the UK, it's a hugely, like, obviously, because you don't have Thanksgiving. So the Christmas sort of thing, it replaces it. Um, I'm happy. You know, for me, it's nog. I want a big glass of eggnog. It's okay if it's spiked. I don't. I don't disdain that. But even if it's not spiked, I like eggnog for Christmas. A fruit cake. I gotta have fruit cake. Yeah, fruit cake. That's another good one. Fruit that's cake is one. awful good, and mm-hmm. uh, it is. It, when I think of holidays, I, I will say my dad's chocolate mint cake is also right up there. Uh, it's awful good as well. Uh, so it would definitely be on the list uh, of things that I would want to have in the holidays. So I, those two are right up there. Cake. You know, I used to love eggnog as a child, but it's not something I've gone back to. Mm. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, you still drink the old nog, eh? Yeah, I was pounded nog yesterday. You were pounded. <laughs> you have to phrase it like that. You're pounding nog. <laughs> Paul, oh aka Hermsky, asks, "Have you seen many Carry On films?" Answer that, so I'll know what that means. I don't know what that means. So I'm going to guess for both of us that answer is no. Okay, I, I have found this thing, but I'm going to try to make this happen here. All right, here's what we're going to do. We only have three more questions left, so let's finish right, these up, ahead. and then we'll end, the, we'll end the show with a tour of Mud Mountain. Okay. All right. Lord Soup asks, are there any single episode games that you'd love a sequel to, and how would you develop the gameplay on these games? These are real thought. I have to, this takes some requiring some thought here. Mm-hmm. Single episode games that we're, I would like to see a sequel to. What do you got? Anything that hits you immediately? Absolutely. I'd love to see a sequel to Wings, where you you do the same thing that Wings does, except you're in World War Two instead of World War One. I. I mean, the game writes itself. You know that is a great answer, Boat. Yes, I'm going to go with Boat on this. That would be awesome. Plus, it would teach people a little bit about World War Two. And you know the uh, you could even uh, have the pilot transported to the Pacific, uh, uh, maybe it depending if you're playing an American or British uh, or you know whatever. Uh, it would be it's a great idea. Uh, really, Wings is a fun game, and it also teaches you. And I like the fact that it doesn't sugarcoat what it was like to be a pilot. 
and he even shows pity on the poor the poor bums, the poor guys that are stuck down in those in those trenches uh, as he flies over. Horrible, horrible war, mm-hmm. and probably the most miserable. Well, I mean, they're all bad, but just horrible in those trenches yeah. with all the badness that was going down. Uh, it's a shame that we couldn't learn from that one to not repeat our same mistakes, but we keep doing it. So I guess why not now? But yeah, great answer. But I agree. Uh, Hat Chad asks. Hat Chad. I know, yeah, I know the official response, but are Jaffa cakes really cakes? I, I, go ahead. I don't know. I'm not sure. I know what a Jaffa cake is. So a Jaffa cake is a popular British uh, food. That is like a, uh, it's almost like a Fig Newton, except it's chocolate covered and it's orange and it's not really chewy. It's that like sounds a sounds great. Yeah, it is. I've heard they, these mentioned. I've heard these referenced on shows, but I don't think I've ever had one. They, they're very good. Sent this one, and they they sound great. Um, the, this is famous because there was when they introduced the VAT tax in England, they taxed uh, they taxed biscuits, but they didn't tax cakes. I do and, remember hearing that. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. And so uh, the and I think they only tax chocolate flavored biscuits. The VAT tax is real, real wacky. Yeah, that is um, that sounds crazy. But at any rate, um, the the whole deal and this guy, I think he went to court over it, was that when a cake gets old, it gets hard. When a biscuit gets old, it gets soft. Therefore, a Jaffa cake is a cake. Okay. I would That's like it. to try those before I make a determination, but... That's it. Can we get those around here? Uh, yeah, you can get them at Aldi. Okay, all right, there you go. Yeah. Um, Christian Russell asks... Oh, and this is the final question, Aaron. This I've is got one more after this one. Go ahead. Okay, man. Uh, uh-huh. This is sort of an island discs question. However, instead of asking which eight records you would take, the question is, if you were only allowed to take one distinct genre of music to your desert island, which would it be? One distinct... What was it? One distinct what of music? If you could only take one genre of music to your desert island, what would it be? It'd be classic rock. It would. Because, I mean, I'm talking that 60s, 70s. That'd be it. You know, because mm-hmm. it's easiest to, you know... Part of me there, I would miss tons of great stuff, but that's probably I would take probably take that. What about you? I don't that's, say jazz. That's, that that's real. That's a real strong. The the thing is, is like, do I want to take a bunch of stuff I already know and I already like, or do I want to take stuff that like I'm not that familiar with, so I can sort of grow into it? However, there's still a bunch of classic rock stuff from the 60s and 70s that I still haven't heard. So Right, me too. That's That was exactly yeah. what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm probably going to go with you. I'm probably going to go with you on this one. If I could only take one genre, it would probably be classic rock because it's also you can listen to the stuff that you love and it makes you feel better during the, the tough times. Plus, some of the better classic rock people dip into other genres that to make it you get a little taste exactly so, yeah, exactly you like you can listen to like blood sweat and tears they did a bunch of like classical inspired stuff and so this is a yeah. bonus question here boat okay i saw it pop up early this is from our good buddy uh retro ravi dj oh i know that guy he asked if you had to live in medieval times what would be your weapon of choice for everyday use mm. my body what what i'm a deadly yeah. weapon aaron what? Well, I mean, you do have. What about your? You what? Your? I thought you'd say your sword. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Aren't you a trained swordsman? A dipstick? 
Yeah, I would probably, I would probably go, I'd probably go with the sword with the katana. I could, I, I, I'm okay at wielding that. Um, that that's a yeah. If and now we're actually talking about evil like European weapons, um, I think you could really, uh, you could really wreck somebody with one of all chains. Swing that around. Your, of course, you could wreck yourself. I could wreck myself before yeah. I check myself. I, you know, I was chasing Luke around earlier with with uh, new Chaku, uh, but I wouldn't really consider this medieval weapons. Like in the, I, I think more of a, like the British medieval stuff. You mm-hmm. know, I'm one of these guys that would have like a pole arm or something. I want something that gives me some distance. Yeah, it's you know a good what I mean? too. So mm-hmm. I would probably go. I would probably go with something like that. So good question though. You never know when that's going to come become relevant, Boat. That's true. That's that's why I continue to train with the sword. I'll I don't know what this demand. means, but Hermsky also said. He just asked, I don't know what this means. Maybe it was in roots of He says, Cobbs or Baps? I don't know what that means. That's so a Bap, a Bap is a, is, is a type of sandwich. If okay. you can think about like, um, like take like a Heiner's hamburger bun yeah. and make it about half the size yeah. and then put, but you know, fill it with stuff. That's like a bap. That's like okay. a that's like a sandwich. Okay. So, and what's a is that when he said cobs? He's talking about I think and now this is one of these things that's hilarious to British people because it's like regional differences in language. Yeah. So I think that they might be the same thing, and we're supposed to fight it out. But the problem is, is that I don't know enough about the regional differences to form an opinion. I'm gonna go with sandwiches anyway it goes, but but yeah, I, mean, listen, I like sandwiches. whatever tasty. You know, I'm not, I'm not gonna turn it down, buddy. Okay, I'm gonna cue this up here, boat, and I'll try to. Okay. I'll try to translate. I'm excited because I've not watched this video in many years. We're gonna put so. this in our games of the week. No, I'm not. Where am I gonna put this here? Let me see if I've got something that I can uh, make this happen in. Bear with me for one moment here. Let's see what we can do here. I haven't actually set this up to do this, so we'll just uh, go play capture. What we want. Oh, end to Ignore that. Ignore all that. And wham. There it is. Bam. Can everybody see that? Yes. All right. So uh, I just want to, just to preface what you're looking at here, uh, this is a road. This is the main road that goes to the road you go up Mud Mountain. If you looked, if you did, if you could, to your immediate left is the interstate, I-64. And it's actually, if you ever look on a map at the split between I-64 and I-77, I lived pretty much directly across from that to the right. So to your left, that split is occurring. So you can look this up on a map. I've got the music. I got the audio turned off because I was playing Doors as I went up through here. That's oh, yeah. We, de- we definitely don't want that on. So here we go. So you can see we're going up the road here. Now, let me stop you right here. What you've got here, that ha- that garage thing right there that we just passed, yeah, that they were cooking meth in that. Okay, let's mm. move on. Okay, see that place right there? Mm-hmm. They were cooking meth in there too. <laughs> okay, now you're gonna see a house right ahead, dead ahead. Okay, do you see these two houses on the right? Uh-huh. Those, that one on the that one in the in the white. Mm-hmm. That's a garage, and uh, uh, the thing we're talking about, they were cooking meth in that. That house <laughs> directly ahead of you. That house. Someone came in and stripped all the siding off of it and took all the copper pipes. That was a summer residence, so it got nice. fleeced. Yeah. Now, this road right here, to your immediate left where I would leave my trash. So mm-hmm. keep in mind, I had to walk this every day. This road right here, 
Uh, now, wait a minute. When you left your trash, you just left the bag in the street, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Not yeah. in the street, but off the side. Well, I you mean, also, on the side. One thing about no Charleston is that you could literally put anything you wanted down there, and when you came out, it was gone. So mm-hmm. I don't know why I don't want to. This road right here, this turn. I don't know if this will do it justice, but it's brutal. It's yeah. just a brutal turn. Here we go. There's a house to your immediate right. You see it up there? Mm-hmm. That right there. That they that place they were refurbishing it, but it got burned. It burned up inside. Okay, there's my mailbox right there. By the way, that's as far as the mailman's gonna go. <laughs> that's the end of the pavement. Now I can't express to the viewers how painful this was. <laughs> Okay. The one thing about this road is it was so overgrown that no one knew it was here unless you're Roy Hartland. Now, there's an open spot right to your right here. I had a Jeep parked there that broke down. People came and and broke out all the windows and lights in it. They were Mm -hmm. jerks. Okay, this is the curve of death. This is where the the elevation really ramps up, and you've got to hit the gas into this curve. You see on on the ground right here, that was part of the mountain. That wasn't mm. gravel, but most of the, you had to get some traction right there to make this turn. Okay, this right here, by the way, when it rained, this thing filled with water like a like a creek. <laughs> okay, right here on the right, for years, I had my old Chevy Nova parked. So, but it was gone at this point. So we've made it. This is the steepest part of the hill. We've made it up. Now, now this is my little turnaround spot. You couldn't turn around unless you did like a 50-point turn. Here we go, making a turn. This is all overgrown. There's a creek back in here. Okay. And then that that right there is Mud Mountain proper. There it is. We'll turn around a little bit. Those lights weren't ornamental. Those were to make sure you could get around because it was so tough to see. Okay, I'm, I'm still turning. Like I said, it's a 20-point turn. <laughs> here we go. So, and once we get up to the walkway, I'll explain what's going on. You see, if you look... You couldn't see it now, but if you looked off, if you looked, if you follow the lights, that's a walkway, a wooden walkway down through there. And that led to the front, but you never really went in through the front, right? No, well, yeah, I, I think, I, I think, I, I don't know if I get out here and show the path down or not. There's a stair, to your immediate right, there's a stair, a wooden staircase. Now, it, it used to have a rail, but I ripped the rail down so I could put a video game in it. Yeah. So I ripped the rail down. There's, I'm surveying Mud Mountain. That's Mud Mountain right there. Now, uh, the 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 staircase led to a a plank walkway that went completely around the house to the front. If you want, this is the back of the house. Believe it or not, you drive up to the back. You walk around to the side, then you go down another set of stairs, and then you walk down the side of the house, and then there's a then you walk to the front of the house. There's a big porch. That's up on stilts. That's overlooking this creek at a hillside. Yeah, and, and the porch was actually not too bad. I mean, it was well constructed. It was pretty nice. My dad built that porch so you could drive a car onto it. Yeah, and then and and, and then uh, that was the house. There was a one bedroom, and I mean one, by the way, and a tiny little bathroom. And the bathroom would get so cold you could see outside from in the bathroom. <laughs> I remember that distinctly. You could be sitting on the can. If you turn the lights off, you could see the light from outside. Um, I had one of those claw bathtubs, and I put one of these showers gimmicks in it so I could have a shower. Mm-hmm. It wasn't great. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. And uh, But that that is Mud Mountain. I lived there for... I think I moved in about 2002. And I was there until, I think, 2000... Jeez, but was it 
2009 or 10 or something no, like that? No, it was after you moved back before I moved to Boston. Like you moved, you moved, it was, it was at least at the very, no, it was 2011. You moved back in 2011. Yeah. Because I, I went to see you in Mud Mountain in 2010. I, I, someone asked if I owned the house. My, it's funny, my, my dad's family owned that house. My uncle Junior used to live there, and Junior was the fire chief of Charleston. He died. By the way, Boat, they tried to put a second story on this house, and it burned down. Oh, my gosh. So at one time, that house had two stories, if you could believe it, that tiny little house. Mm. So when I lived there, I got it from my Aunt Mary, who had lived there, and she ended up moving into one of my other dad's house. Dad has some different uh, houses. He's got one up in, uh, on the river in, uh, 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 gosh, in Ripley, uh, or somewhere up in there, Clay, in Clay County. Uh, but this house was in the family for years, and when I moved out to uh, move here, my Uncle Mike went to rented the house and eventually he bought the house and so he bought mud mountain unfortunately uncle mike well fortunately for mike he met a girl and he moved in with her and but someone came and just trashed mud mountain and mm. a tree fell on mud mountain as well the the bank across from the front door was uh it was a hillside covered in trees and they were all leany you know what mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. and i always wonder if one of these suckers was gonna tip over and one of them did and it crushed it crushed the roof and i don't think it was ever repaired Mm -hmm. uh, so right now, Mud Mountain, unfortunately, is in is in tatters. So it's kind of sad. But man, I had a lot of fun up in that uh, in that house for a while, and it's had some depressing times too. It was a mix. Tell them about but... your audio visual setup up there, because that was pretty nice. What do you mean? Oh, the, the, your, the... your projector. Yeah, I had a uh, I had a projector that oh, and a bed sheet rigged up. God, this is so ghetto, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, uh, I had a big easy chair, and I mean it was like a uh, control central. Uh, back then, that's actually where I got the Amiga 1000 back out. Was up on the mountain of the 500, and started playing with it again because I was because bored and lonely up there. You know, it's just like no one was coming up. I'd been in Lexington for a decade, and I'd been partying and having every night was a party and having a good time. So it was a tough transition to go up to Mud Mountain where you didn't see anybody, and none of my friends around here are really party people. They were all sort of settled. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, but yeah, I fell back in love with the Amiga up there. So I, I love it up there. It's pretty in the, it's real pretty in the summer and the spring when all the flowers are blooming and stuff. But man, that road, I don't miss going up and down that road. It was brutal. <laughs> yeah. The one time, the one time that I came to visit you, uh, I don't believe that I actually, I think I, I, I parked the car at the base, maybe at the base of the mountain or maybe just a further up and then you actually came down to get me in the van i usually would up. get people rob asked if i could drive up that normal car you could if you had the jack rob I and mean, you had to have skills and to pay the bills my buddy rode his street motorcycle up there he he, he came into the house white knuckled he said he's never doing that again because he, he like died Teresa called me one time crying she had gotten stuck on the ice on the side of the mountain and i had to come up and get her out of the car and drive her car the rest of the way up because she couldn't move he was scared to death. Many people have fallen off Mud Mountain, including me. Uh, I, my buddy fell down the stairs with a, with about twenty four pack of beer. And so, if you look in the weeds at Mud Mountain, you'll see the the leftover booze and pop that have fallen <laughs> over the side that no one can go get. It's a the the mountain claims certain uh, a certain toll when you come up and down it. But I've fallen down that thing many many times. In fact, I knocked I knocked my tooth out falling down the the stairs there one time. So mm -hmm. yeah, that was. 
it's tough. It's it, the stairs would get icy. It was. Well, it I'm was happy. An place I'm to happy live. to know that at least one part of the mountain continues to reside right here in Amigo Studios, and that is this arcade machine right over there. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I thought maybe you stole one of the bricks from Mud Mountain, boat. No, no, the the, <laughs> the Mud Mountain meme machine made yeah. its way over here. That was Uncle Larry uh, painted that uh, before you uh, painted over it, but at least you took a good picture of it. But yeah, mm-hmm. that was the machine that I ripped the railing down to get into the arcade there. If you consider that I had all those videotapes in there and that arcade machine, the amount of stuff, that, and all those comic books, moving in and out of Mud Mountain was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> it was brutal. But there you go. That is what Mud Mountain is, everybody. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode, or this month's episode of this Ask week's, the Amigos. Oh, God. <laughs> As always, if you, have a, uh, if, if you have a question for us and you're part of our Discord community, if you'd like to become part of our Discord community, all you have to do is support us on any level over at Patreon, or you can also subscribe to us on Twitch. And uh, we would love to have you as part of the team. Um, and before we go, I do want to thank, you know, we are recording this episode live on a Saturday night. Uh, we got some fine, fine folks with us here. I uh, want to thank uh, Duncan Styles for moderating the chat, doing an amazing job as always. Uh, we've got Ann Crad, Atten, Brock101 with us. Christian Russell's here. Cobrian, Commander Root, Kamula, David Z, NAZ. Droop Dog, Frodo NL, Jigglebox, Hermski is here, John Marshall 3, Mitsuyama, Picard 2010, R-Typer, Ricky DeRosha, Rob Flack O'Hara is here with us, Santar Zero, Silly Gnome 225, Super Cruiser 5000, Super Tech Boy, VNK, Vigoro Pros, Vector Funk, and Walking Macau. So thank yeah. you guys for hey, joining crowd. us in chat for this evening. Yeah, I got 30 plus people in here for this. That's On a Saturday, I'm stunned at that. Pretty good. And we're also, uh, you know that uh, Coco Talk has sucked over the majority of the people. Right, right. And you know, it's now it's just now it's picking up steam, but you just got enough time to get over there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I am going to, before we go, um, well, actually, we will all do this after the after we're done streaming. So we will see you guys next week. Next, no, I got to stop saying that. We'll good see Wednesday. you guys next month in 2021. We'll I'll see you guys. We'll both see you for another exciting episode of Ask the Amigos. Until then. Adios. Adios.